Hi friends, welcome to Nature Chicks Arctic Campaign, the show where you come for the game and stay for the science. Hello, my name is Cheryl and my pronouns are she, her, and I'm the dungeon master for the Arctic Campaign. I'm also a PhD student studying ecology at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and when I'm not doing research, I'm a science communicator and the host of The Roving Naturalist on YouTube and here a lot. Um, <laughs> next we've got Ryan. Hi everybody, I'm Ryan Gott. I'm an entomologist. Uh, I do all kinds of different things in the plant healthcare world up until the start of this year. Uh, as if you're a listener, you knew I was at a nonprofit public garden. Um, but now I have moved and I do integrated pest management and quality control for a medical marijuana grower. So getting to apply all these kinds of things in a really cool, new, fast growing industry. Uh, and on our game, I play Fletcher the human wizard and both of our pronouns are he, him, his. Sweet. Next, we've got Cindy. Hey, I'm Cindy Sheher. I'm a science enthusiast and play an indoor engineer over on Heroes of Awesome Constellation on the Weirdlings Switch and YouTube channels. Here, I am playing Natia, the water method druid. Then there's Peter. I am Peter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I use he pronouns, and I play Cedric, the uh, dwarven cleric, the charismatic and, and dashing young dwarven cleric and uh like ryan i have also recently switched jobs so uh i i uh, those of you who uh, follow know that i have been teaching agriculture uh with the university of maryland for a while i just started a job with north carolina a t university doing horticultural research so looking at how different ways of growing crops to improve yield neat and then there's nancy Hello. The best thing about going after Peter is that my intro can't be any worse, right? <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Nancy. I'm an entomologist, which means that I study bugs. And I live in Ecuador, where normally, before all the 2020, I was doing ecotourism focused on insects. However, obviously, that isn't happening. So I do a bunch of whatever I can possibly do including teaching online entomology courses, and I get to teach a, a workshop in the Amazon for five days. So I'm super stoked about that. I play a human-ish woman rogue named Kay, and our pronouns are she, her. <laughs> awesome. And, and you have probably already noticed, but we have an amazing special guest with us tonight. That's Angelo. Hi, uh, I'm Angelo. I'm an undergraduate anthropology students at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, uh, but I'm focusing on uh, not just science communication and public outreach, but experimental archaeology, which is tool and weapon recreation and experimentation. Uh, and within that, I like hyper-focus on this specific spear-throwing weapon called the Atlatl, uh, which you'll learn more about probably throughout throughout the, the game today and next time I'm on. So really excited to be here. This is my first time playing Dungeons & Dragons, and I'm excited to play with this group. Oh yay, and we're so excited to have you. Yes, you will yay. learn so much about ancient weapons soon. But first, we have to get through the rest of the announcements. Um, so if you're watching us live right now, I see all of our friends in the chat. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for being here. As always, if you have questions for the cast, put them in the chat so that they can answer them, or I can bring them up and we can talk about them audio e audio -y? Whatever. Um, of course. Definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, be sure to check out the reference section down below for the social media handles for the entire Nature Check cast. Oh, boy. And you can come hang out with us on Discord. There's also a link to that down in the reference section. As you might expect so far on the Discord, there's been a lot of talk about food and also some science and D&D memes, so it's a good time. Um, <laughs> don't forget, if you are not able to watch us live or you want to share us with your friends and family and your enemies and whoever else, um, you can, as always, find the sessions for our TTR RPG games in video form on our YouTube channel and in podcast form. I think I've got everywhere now. We'll see. Maybe I missed some place, but they should be everywhere. <laughs> Follows, subscriptions, comments, shares, reviews, smashing the like button, whatever, really help us out on all of our platforms. So thank you for doing those things as well. All right, let's remember where you were last time. <laughs> so you four were rudely awoken in your desert campsite by a group of two-foot-long scorpions, which was just a great start to your morning. You began traveling through the desert, a landscape entirely unfamiliar to all of you. So you spent some time examining the local plants and animals. You watched a pair of golden eagles engage in some sort of territorial dispute, with Nadia healing the loser of the fight. That eagle has now been shyly accompanying your party deeper into the desert. As you neared the spot Nadia had identified the night before as being of interest, you encountered a large rocky canyon blocking your path. After some rope work, some tumbles, and a lot of stress, most of you have made it successfully to the other side of the canyon. However, it is almost midday on Telosim, the fourth day of Bright Run, and Kay is still at the bottom of the canyon. Also, I wanted to let everybody know that I reread the rules on being out in the heat, um, since we had a conversation about this last time. The heat rules do actually include a penalty for someone like Cedric, who's wearing uh, heavier armor. So you get a negative oh. four penalty to that save. <laughs> and you didn't get the temple bonus either. So it's just a negative four on that fortitude save. And we also talked about this. If you fall unconscious after taking too much non-lethal damage from the heat, you do start taking lethal damage and dying. Um, so those rules are a lot more realistic than we thought they were. Anyway, how are you getting Kay out of the canyon? <laughs> well, a good question. what we've been doing isn't working <laughs> so currently we have cedric and fletcher at the top of the canyon holding the end of a rope pulling k trying to pull k up while k is trying to climb up the rope and the cliff while nadia is pushing her butt up is that what's going on <laughs> falling just yeah yeah, you just were kind of just yeah. You were alternately trying really... to lift and pushing her against the wall to keep her from falling. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Boosting her. Boosting. Assisting. How big is your new giant eagle friend? Not <laughs> big enough. The it's same a, size as me, which is a, not big enough. I checked. Three foot bird. So it's about yeah. It's about the same size as Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> They're both Literally, we're feet. the same size class. That's part of why I picked it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, so so Cindy did remember uh, that Nadia does in fact have a uh, a fishing net that she keeps with her that she uses as a cloak slash hammock when she's in the jungle. So uh, we do have a better way of putting K attaching K to the rope if we want to if we want to try something different. Hey, how you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, that sounds better than literally, you know, being smushed against a rock then, wall and almost dying. Then, yep. then three of us can pull from the top 
and just have to not all three fail you're halfway up the cliff now I mean, is we, that what where you currently are no, she's no, at the bottom. No. oh you're at the bottom no, <laughs> the problem is it doesn't matter if you make it two up once you fall you're back at the bottom Adam. there's no falling just one level so when she okay. fell and the safe wing emblem saved her she fell two-thirds of that hundred foot drop so yeah she was and at like died yeah you were at like negative eight or something so she almost died yeah. But then we retconned it because the safe wing emblem would have saved her from all that fall damage. So she's not very hurt, um, but she is very frustrated. As... And, and quite terrified. Can we add terrified to the list of adjectives? Yeah, too. And can now get very hurt. Right. And can <laughs> because, now get very now no hurt. Because the magic item like is Like I did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So as Fletcher and Cedric kind of lean over the top of the canyon, <laughs> Cedric is going to call out like, uh, so that didn't seem like it worked. Um, do you have any other ideas? I, I was peering I, over a cliff edge. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> I was like, what are you showing us? You're like, <laughs> my strength is zero. I have a zero modifier. Hey, guys, help. Hey, if, if I, if, if I could just wrap you up really well and went up and pulled... Would you be okay trying that? Yeah, I'd be okay trying that. Okay. I have, I might maybe have a, maybe. And I pull out the net and try to make it like a sling situation happen. Okay. First Can question. Can I try and assist on that? <laughs> yes. My first question Absolutely. though is, uh, Nadia, your net thing had been kind of like a makeshift ghillie suit. Are you taking all of the crap out of it and just using the net or are you leaving all the crap oh, no. in it? Because I've been using it as a hammock too. Like oh, okay. it's still got all the leaves and crap okay. in it. I mean, a bunch of it's probably sort of dried up and fallen out since we've left the jungle, I would think. Yeah, no, it looks a hot mess. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, if Kate is going to assist you, Nadia, then you can. Oh boy. Which which skill is that? <laughs> Make an argument for something for me, because I don't really know. Use rope. Use rope. It's rope, and we're attaching it to rope. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Nadia. Yeah. Um. So you can have a plus two because Kay is helping you, and use rope to see how well you bundle Excellent. her up in it. Would we? Would you say that this is involving bindings, or is it just using rope? Is your, Kinky. Is, <laughs> that was my thought too. <laughs> We've been over this. Uh, is it? Is it? I thought you just had a bonus to escaping bindings. Do you also have it for creating bindings? I think that's what the intent is, but it just says with bindings. I feel like that's more like if you were trying to like tie up a prisoner. I feel like we had exactly this conversation yeah. last time. Yeah. I don't, I don't okay. think this is a binding uh, Unless you wanted to like hog tie yeah, I'm pretty tie sure K, it's getting out of binding. Which seems ex no. extraneous. You know. Or unhog tie K, I think right. was yes. the intent. Because <laughs> they're supposed to be good at getting out of things. Uh, okay. Alright, first roll of the day. And you said I've got plus two with K? Yes. <laughs> the curse remains! I should have just tied it. Oh, oh I'm just taking your time. Five. Cool. Five. Awesome. Okay. I check it. <laughs> <laughs> you helped her do it, which means you can't check it. Cedric's like, what are they doing down there? It's... It is so bad that Cedric can tell from up top. Because <laughs> like... it's just like she's basically I've just tangled K in the it, in the net. It's, is Nadia trying to like tie the, up K? She's hanging out. Like her arms and legs are all sticking out of holes in this net. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like we a just dead get a body rolled up yeah. in a in a rug. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, are we just gonna leave her here for dead? Is that Ooh. what we're doing? Sort of. I've sort of tied it up and and she and tried to put her in it like it's a hammock, but because it's all in one, it's just very it's uncomfortable and she's just kind of. And I'm also bigger than you by a lot. I, I'm picturing Ninja oh, Turtles yeah. too. The Secret of the Ooze, where they're all in that big net and they're just dangling. Yep. Ryan Boy, that's it. a pull. Sure. I love that movie. Yes. Yeah, it's such a good movie. That's a deep pull. Oh, Look, yeah. Peter and I spent way too much time together in grad school. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we always think the same things and know what we're talking about. And Okay. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god. Okay, um, Sarah, do you want them to use that now? Is that what you're telling me? Sarah, for that. Sarah just oh, Sarah a, a second. Otherwise, I have a weird <laughs> yes, question about please. my tangle patch and if that can <laughs> tangle all the things together to haul her up. That is an interesting <laughs> idea. I don't hate it. Um, so, yeah, Sarah says you can use the second chance right now if you want to retie, or we can let Fletcher goo you up, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it I, goes I, away. It's, a, it's an effect, so you're not going to stay mm-hmm. like. Do I have like a residual sticky ooze afterwards? No. no. The opposite of It'll grease. magically vanish. It is the opposite of grease. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, do you wanna do you wanna use that uh second chance uh to try your use rope I, check again? I would love to. Okay, do that. Again. Do that and I will mark it as redeemed. I'm gonna close the window because I forget that key to oh, is loud. Bup, ba-doop, doop, boop, ba-doop, doop, Cindy, try boop. rolling better. I rolled a six this time. Hey, an improvement. <laughs> six is better than five. We're a math podcast now. Yeah. Six is bigger than five. You feel... Hey, there's what a lot the of heck come after six? You feel even more sure about this knot than you did half a second ago. Yep. So confident. Looks like she just untied her and then retied her in the exact same way, but I can't really oh. see from up here. <laughs> Roll a perception check, Cedric. <laughs> oh, I'm good so at that. very high. I picture him just, like, on his stomach with his, like, hands and his face over the edge. Only a 13. <laughs> Only a 13. I mean, yeah, it looks like they've tangled Kay up in the net, but it's 100 feet away, so it's a little hard for you to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I All tangled up in the so net, much. just like Sandra Bullock was us. in the net. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you for rolling the number. I'll get higher. That's just math. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also glad you learned something already tonight, Wariyoshi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you have, good Lord, you've tangled K up in this net. Um, are you going to go up to the top, Nadia, and help pull? Sure. Okay. okay, it's just lying there as you fly away. Like, <laughs> I hope no large animal comes to choose on me while they're all gone. <laughs> like a giant like stampede or like some like water rushes by. Dead. Oh god! So this is the Lion King now, and you're going to be trampled <laughs> like there, Mufasa. Yeah, where all of these jokes happened last time too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a, which is what I'm. I'm assuming that is our collective childhood trauma is watching Mufasa die in that yeah. movie. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I still cry. Yeah, I still oh. cry. Yeah. That plus Artax. Artax. Uh, plus the Land Before Time when oh. his mom dies oh, at the yeah. beginning. Okay. Okay. I always fast forwarded that. movie. Sorry. Apparently, we're gonna have to add a trigger warning to nature check for childhood dramas. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> oh, Sarah says stop giving the DM ideas. Okay, um, so <laughs> all right, so uh, 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 so we've got Fletcher with a uh, ten strength, and then uh, Cedric and Nadia, you have what strengths? I have fourteen, so I got plus two. Okay, thirteen. My, so only my, my strength, okay. my base strength is eleven. Oh, sorry. I thought it was a 10. My, I'm so it's sorry. It's 11, not 10. I'm so sorry. 11, 11 is, is bigger, bigger than, than 10. 10. He's been working out. <laughs> He's been working out. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Cedric, yeah. So, you will give a bonus to Nadia. Um, so, Nadia, you can... Whoa. Whoa. We're letting Sydney roll again? <laughs> she has the highest strength modifier. She's the strongest one. Do you want to do it instead? No, no. no yeah. Okay, fine. Let's let Cedric roll something. Cedric, you get a. I don't want to be responsible for killing. Okay. I would rather trust Nadia to do this, and would love to see Cedric be just like emasculated. <laughs> Bold assumptions about my dice luck right I now. I just don't want to die. I don't care who does it. I just don't want to die. Boulder parchment shears. Go for it. You too. It's gonna be so hard to do online. Oh, have you been watching Critical Role? Come on. They're all in the same room. It's, it's, they don't have lag issues. <laughs> all right. Wait. All right. One, two, three, shoot. Yep. <laughs> all right. Why is this so hard? One, two. Wait, wait. Should we just roll for it? Is that easier? <laughs> just. Kate is like wiggles her, her leg like waiting for All right. something to happen. Oh Straight God. D20. Yep. I got a 10. <laughs> All right. Cedric, you can roll a strength tech check to pull Kate in Try her net up the, the side of the canyon. You get a plus four from Nadia's strength. Um. 16. Okay. Um. Yeah, so you... <laughs> <laughs> So you are able to very, like, you do it very slowly and very carefully, but you are able to pull, and Kay, you're just inside this tangled, like, it's kind of claustrophobic, this net rope thing, like a cocoon, and they sort of pull you up the side of the cliff slowly and kind of jerkily, and you bang into the wall a few times, not enough to take any hit point damage, but just, like, to be really annoyed. Because um. <laughs> Kay isn't already living in a state of perpetual annoyance. I mean, yeah. <laughs> So, so you get the cocoon. I hate all of you. So, so I have to remind you that a, a canyon wall does involve a lip at the edge. So you get the cocoon up just to like the point of the lip. And how are you just going to drag her over it? Or like, how, how are you accomplishing the end of that? Remember when I said I hated the rainforest? I changed my mind. Every new biome is worse. <laughs> Wait until you get keep... to the tundra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep dragging unless yeah. Nadia and Fletcher nope. want to like try and yeah, help her over uh, the I lip. Can, I can I'm kinda... pulling as hard as I can. Okay. <laughs> yeah, if you two okay. keep pulling, I'll kind of help get her up and over. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> so you managed to... Okay, I imagine you just sort of like roll out of the net and starfish on the ground in the sand. Like... Yeah. Like so tangled in that thing, I have no. Someone has to get me out of it. Yeah, Nadia, Nadia kind of gets you out, and then once you're clear, just gives you a really big hug. <laughs> Kayla like burst into tears. Oh. I almost died. Why did I leave home? I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I, I think thought, that was the Cedric, hardest thing. I thought you were strong. I pulled you up, didn't I? He did. Barely. Thanks for not letting me die, I think. Sure. You know, that would have been a lot easier if we had built some kind of pulley or something like that. You said, Cedric, do you know how to do that? I mean, I feel like we could have figured it out. Okay, we're just going to unwrap K and get and keep moving because <laughs> otherwise I could see a dwarf falling to the bottom of this canyon in the future. So let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> the dwarf may or may not be uh, helped in his speedy descent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. You guys, I would fall real hard. <laughs> yeah, real hard. I weigh, I weigh a lot. All better. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I lost the page for this. Um, what time of day is it? Um, so it's about midday at this point, so I'm actually going to have you guys roll another fortitude save to see how you're doing that, against the heat, because you just That did, makes sense. You did a lot of, of effortful things. Um, and and we just hot. came up from... The bottom of a canyon, which would probably have been a lot cooler down yeah. there than up here in in the sun. Yep. So, yeah. So you are making a uh, uh, so you've made two of these fortitude saves already. So this will be the third one. So the fortitude DC is uh, eighteen. Uh, Cedric, you get oh a minus God. four for wearing your armor. Um, those of you who have the temple bonus get your temple bonus. What do you mean by like eighteen? 18 or higher to pass it. Oh, right. 18 or higher. Yeah. Oh, if you roll shit. below no. an 18, you're going to take the heat damage. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to die. Yep. <laughs> I got it. You got a what? 14. A 14. My total bonus is 10. 16. Okay, so you also fail. 10. It's very hot. Cedric, did you say something? I muted and I got a one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay. Wait, like total because of your all your subtraction? Nope. nope. I rolled. rolled a, I rolled a natural one, so I got a negative three. <laughs> Wait, you don't have anything to your fortitude? You're a cleric. Oh. <laughs> you still add your fortitude bonus. Okay. Yeah. So my wow, base. Wow, I'm sure that's a, gonna okay. get him up to an eighteen. Math. Yeah. So I got a zero. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, guys. Um, <laughs> we are so good at this game. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so the D4, the D4 says that you each take three points of non-lethal heat damage. Remember to track your non-lethal separate from your lethal. So the fall damage would have been lethal damage. Heat is non. It's delayed lethal. Let's Sorry, be honest. How many yeah. You points pass out, you can still die. Correct. <laughs> how many did you say? Three. There's Wait. a reason why when we teach people about pesticide application, we do so much education about heat exhaustion mm -hmm. and, and and the other things that can go wrong because you're protecting yourself from pesticides and then you pass out and die from heat stroke. So Yep, yep. I had to wear a hard hat for my field work um, because of where I'm working and that holds in so much heat that I did not think about ahead of time. Boy, that was awful. Natsuno Yoru, uh, we are playing D&D 3.5 because I'm old fashioned and a weirdo. Um, <laughs> but it works the same. It's still D&D. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, you mean zeros are the best score you can possibly get? <laughs> Zero, it's yeah. backwards, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that um? Isn't that how the Star Trek game works, Cindy? That ones are good and twenties are bad. 
Yes, yes. That, that confused me so much at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's why you'll frequently hear us saying, like, man, these 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 rolls would be great for D and D. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a couple of us that roll twenties real often. Yeah. All right. So a little beat up and a little more tired than you were before. You all are now safely on the other side of this canyon from where you started this morning, um, which means you are closer to the area that Nadia had uh, noticed the night before where there are seen to be campfires or some sort of uh, small dots of light on the landscape. Um, So uh, I'm assuming you're untying your rope from the shiny tree and continuing on. Yep. Okay. Rope and net and get it all together and get going. Cool. Whose rope was this again? Well, there were three pieces tied together. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, think... I guess this piece is mine. So wait, if we fail, do we take damage? If you fail, what? The, the heat stroke. The heat. Yes. The heat. So you took the three non-lethal. Yeah, the three non-lethal. Oh, three non-lethal. <laughs> I was gonna like miss that in all of the things. Oh. <laughs> Remember, every time I'm like, I always forget one thing. Well, today I forgot the pencil. Oh. <laughs> Easily remedied. Yeah, so this canyon wasn't too awfully far away from your final destination. You'd made good progress up until this point. Um, yeah, we so... were totally going to go go meeting early in the morning. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's about midday. And so you continue moving for maybe like another, you know, 30-ish minutes. And as you are, you know, ending that time chunk, you seem to have arrived at the edge of what you might describe of as a fairgrounds. There are tents and temporary buildings set up in a large area with many open spaces of ground in between them. You can smell food cooking and hear the sounds of shouting and music. As you move closer, you begin to make out details of the people in the crowd. These people here are all bipedal, like yourselves, but as described by the goblins you met a few days ago, they have more appendages than you do. (laughs) In addition to the two legs upon which they stand, these people seem to have four arms, which they are variously using to hold extra implements for cooking or crafting or other pursuits. Their heads and faces appear insectoid with rather large eyes, complicated looking mouths, and two antennae. Um, The clothing they wear is simple, and you notice very little in the way of permanent structures here. But you do see in scattered open spaces on the ground, around and in between the tents, there appear to be elaborate designs made of multiple colors of sand in intricate patterns like mandala type things. Koi, you are sort of hanging out by one of the tents at the edge of the fairgrounds for the moment and you happen to notice a group of people, you guess, coming out of the desert towards you. There's one very short one that looks kind of you may have seen a fish in your life before, but it looks maybe amphibian <laughs> is the next closest thing you might have seen. Um, and it has wings and it's very small. Uh, the next largest has a whole bunch of, you know what hair is because you've seen mouse folk before. So it has a whole bunch of hair on its face and shiny armor. And then the next tallest doesn't have a lot of hair on its face, but does on its head and also some sort of blue sparklies on its cheeks. And then the tallest is wearing sort of uh, clothing in like earth tones and also has some hair on its face, but not as much as the shorter one. But these are all bipedal humanoid creatures that you've never seen before. They're not goblins. They're not mouse folk. They're not armands. They're nothing like anything you've ever seen before, but they appear to be just wandering out of the desert towards the fairgrounds. Okay. Can I just observe them from a distance for a little bit? Yeah, sure. Okay. So what are you all doing now that you've uh, approached this area and seen these sort of the, the leggy ones, as the goblins called them? So we see just a lot of these folk, like, like just going about their 
their day and what what kind of um is it like tents that they have or is that some other or is it like permanently constructed type things or what's like what do we see yeah there doesn't seem to be any sort of like permanent structure here they're like tents and lean-tos like they, they seem like they're sturdy enough to sort of be here for a few days but like nothing is like built out of like stone or like you know wooden walls and a roof kind of thing yeah Peter's dying, so it's probably his worm. What just happened over there? <laughs> so we will we will continue on as he's choking Whoa. on screen, and we can't do anything about it. Um, <laughs> I guess we just keep. I mean, do we just keep going? Walk in and I mean, I feel ourselves? like it's what we've always done. <laughs> I feel like Kay is like so exhausted, like mentally, emotionally, from like all of the things that she would be bitching about you guys this entire time, but she just like can't even right now. So she's just like trudging along. Cedric is also very much full trudge. Like <laughs> he's wearing heavy armor. He had to pull Kay up that canyon. He's like worn out. <laughs> You also had Fletcher fall on top of you earlier. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's had a rough day. <laughs> Did you snark? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so you're just sort of walking into the camp. Like you said, that's worked well for you before. Yeah, and like greet whoever we who we, we meet, I think. Okay. Like... Yeah, Koi, they are continuing to walk basically straight towards you. <laughs> I mean, trudge, I think. Well, okay, they're trudging yeah. straight towards you. Trudge, yeah, makes sense. Do they have any, like, visible signs of heat exhaustion if they've taken this heat damage? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely sort of like, again, you've seen other kinds of peoples who are maybe less uh, well adapted to the heat than your own people. Um, and so they look a little hangdoggy, like their shoulders are slumped and, you know, they're facial expressions don't look especially happy or anything like that. Um, I don't, you wouldn't necessarily know how long they've been out in the heat, but your your guesstimation is that they probably are not used to it, especially because, like I said, one of them looks kind of amphibian-y, and you know that those creatures don't really come out unless there's rain, which there isn't right now and hasn't been for a while. <laughs> True. Plus, I'm sure uh, the simple clothing of me and my people kind of give away that heavy armor is the antithesis of what you want in hot environment. Um, so I might see if you guys need water, anyone, or, or something like that. Yeah, you can talk to them. You can ask them. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you, they're coming straight towards me, then I guess I can't avoid, I can't observe them from afar any longer. I'm not I exactly sure. I feel like the Fletcher's probably this. point at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Fletcher, you're in charge. <laughs> oh. Well, if we're walking it, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, whoever we, if we're heading in, we, we meet someone and say, hello, uh, we, uh, we saw you from, from afar. We've been traveling into the desert and we, uh, I, I think we are in, in need of some help because I don't know how much longer we are going to have to be out here. Uh, I'm my name dead. Is Fletcher. She's Kay. She's dead. Apparently. I'm dead. Um, Okay, well, I'm I'm Koi, uh, and we are having a, a small summer festival here, and it is pretty hot out, so I can help get you some water and food. Uh, and you might want to stay probably for for a couple days. Uh, it's gonna be really really hot, and you aren't you don't look that equipped for the heat. Yeah, 
No. I come no, from we, like we the are. side of the ocean. What is this hellish landscape? No offense if you call it home. It's very beautiful. <laughs> It's just it's just a little overwhelming. You, know you guys what I mean? in home bashing. What is no, this? No, <laughs> I don't think I can offer any sort of temporary ocean home, but I do have a tent that you all can rest in for a moment. That sounds Kate great. Sounds good. That'd be wonderful. Yes. Okay. So we can head back to my tent. I don't know if that requires any sort of movement nope. or timing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will uh, follow you anywhere there is shade. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty curious. I've never seen your type of folk before. So uh, maybe tell me where you guys have come from or where you've come from and where you're headed. Well, uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, we all talk at once. <laughs> I'm Kay. Uh, I'm human. Uh, I come from near the ocean. There's like this big kind of settlement called New Seychester, like past the desert, past the grasslands, and past the rainforest and across the river. And I come from there. And it's been like five years of us being out here. <laughs> Have you all been traveling together the same, together for, for uh, the entire time? Mm-hmm. Most of it. It's been a few weeks now. Years. So what brings you... So what brings you to the desert? Well, oh. there's a river, and it's sick. But the thing yeah, that's making bad. it sick is from somewhere this way. We're looking for something that maybe we don't know. It, introducing some kind of bad substance into the ground in, in, in sort of this region, because that is moving underground into the river poisoning the river and and so everyone who lives along the river and in the settlement where where Kay is from they can't fish there's there's no food you know a lot of life depends on the river and we're trying to track down what's causing that and it and we it seems to have be flowing from somewhere up here somewhere because we just came uh from the river towards the south i'm sorry i gotta ask you when we say river you know what that is right yeah yeah oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. You, yeah. I just figured, you know, maybe I'm, like you guys don't have rivers here. It seems real dry. Real dry, but seasonal flash floods, which provide temporary rivers. And, and canyons were once carved by rivers, so we, and, we know about rivers. And you know oh, that the big okay. river is very far to the east at the edge of the desert, and there's a big rocky canyon that it flows through where there are a lot of sail snakes. So you don't sure. necessarily go there a lot, but you know it's there. Yeah. Far, far away, further out of the range of where I'm willing to travel on foot through the desert. But it's out there. But it's out there. Well, I, sh- I guess I should explain what festival is going on that you guys, that you all came in and saw when you came into the area. Uh, this isn't actually a permanent village. This is a collection of multiple villages of Thrykreen. And this is our summer festival. It's uh, Shupanu Liotl. And it is a summer festival where we all gather together and have weddings and play games and have competitions, basically meet up with all of the people uh, that live in the desert once a year so that we can check in with each other and, uh, yeah, summer festival, have have competitions. So I'm not sure where to go from here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait, tell us more about these competitions. Are we in the tent now? Are we like... Yeah, we're in the tent. We're in the tent. I have provided water. I don't have food in the tent. It's midday. Nighttime festivities will provide uh, large feasts in the evening. So if 
you are in dire need of food now, I bet we could find something. But for now, I think we can chill and wait for, for the evening. So being a, we're a very nomadic hunter-gatherer type people live in the desert and hunt desert animals, desert prey. And our primary weapons are actually stone weapons. So I'm pretty curious about the metal armor that's being worn because that's not super common for this area uh, not just because of the heat issues but also just the scarcity of the material and the main competitions we're having uh is what we call a moche toss and it is a aerial spear throwing game where aerial targets are flying across a target range and we throw hit them out of the air basically with our spears which are called atlatls uh, and it's this special weapon that's pretty unique to our area, especially the way that we've designed them. And they are a two-part throwing system that has a small lever that helps launch a long six-foot spear. And we can launch these spears upwards of 100 feet away uh, with pretty incredible speed and accuracy and power. And we've been using this weapon for generations to hunt. And the, the moche toss is the integral ceremony of our people. And we do this competition every year. And winners of the competition have higher social status and win various prizes as well. I That'll be the know. main event of the festival. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we should definitely stay for this. That sounds really I cool. want to see it. Yeah. yeah, that that hasn't already happened, right? Can we watch? Are we, we're also sort of crashing your festival, which I apologize <laughs> yeah. for. Sorry about that. We, well, thankfully, <laughs> this is like the most hospitable time of the year because we're in good moods because of the festival. So we won't mind a few extra mouths to feed uh, and some extra spectators for our competitions. Uh, the festival goes over the course of a few days. So you haven't missed it. We'll have more competitions this evening uh around sundown before it gets too dark but when the visibility is perfect when it'll be staring at the sun uh while they're trying to throw these hit these targets uh just to give I, a little more description I, these targets oh uh -huh. oh i was just gonna say i can make water tomorrow uh as as trade if you want make water <laughs> you no, might become the, lot, the richest person in the thrice green clan <laughs> if you can make water uh that's pretty it's pretty incredible you probably, uh, we would definitely appreciate making water in repayment for crashing our festival. That, that, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so this Moche Toss, uh, these targets, they're, they're large turkey feather shuttlecock, and they are launched up by the head of the competition using an atlatl, and it launches high in the air, and then the shuttlecock kind of floats down, and it has dangling string from the shuttlecock, and our spears have these special cross pegs, which when they hit the string, will tangle the string and pull down the target, showing who successfully caught the target. So you're more catching the target than, than hitting the target, but it simulates our hunting of birds throughout our landscape. So they have similar flight paths and helps us practice our leading the target and our hunting abilities. And so just a, a fun way to show off our skills. Do you have one of these um, uh, spear... Ah, at Lattles. Do at you Lattles. have one uh, with you right now? Uh, yes, IRL, I do have one. Uh, <laughs> give me one moment to, to grab them. Yes? Uh, yes, yes, okay. I was just asking your character, okay. but yeah, if you could... No, sorry, sorry, I, I should have grabbed it ahead of time. Are I didn't think about this. Yes, my, in my tent, I have both my at and my uh, Makawito, which is uh, another weapon that is used by our people, and it is a large wooden 
paddle-shaped club. Imagine a cricket bat that has hand-flint-napped obsidian blades all around the edge. So it looks like a handheld chainsaw with razor-sharp obsidian (laughs) glass razor blades around the edge. But imagine the size of size of size of a like a cricket bat. So those are those are the two weapons that I have in my tent, along with my bedroll and my normal uh, day pack, and the other things that I that I carry as I travel throughout the desert. But I can actually go get if that's cool. Yes, go get yes, them. Yes, 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 yes. I will be. I will be back. <laughs> I imagine Kay is just like looking. Well, he's like describing these things, like looking at the things in the tent and just like scoots closer to Cedric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the uh, so all of these, the th- the Thrykreen people, like your new friend Koi, are about the same height as like Kay and Fletcher. So they're medium creatures for D&D mechanics. Um, yeah, so his weapons are sized for someone like you. So this uh, Mahuitl sword club thing, you're not quite sure. It looks really gnarly because there are all of these shards of obsidian all the way around it um so it looks like it could really really hurt somebody and the atlatl that he's about to show you doesn't look like much but as he's just described it is a very deadly weapon and i'll wait for angelo to come back and show you what it looks like I'm so excited Wonder if, <laughs> right? if any of these things i mean fletcher has no i have like no proficiency in many things <laughs> but it's all like but it all sounds like very like light weapons like that it's like produced out of wood and these kinds of things that like they're like i'm kind of like maybe there'd be like an alternative sort of thing that fletcher could could barter for or do something Mm, yeah um so eventually we'll sort of do the bell thing and um angelo and i can explain to you how we sort of went about designing um the stats for atlatl because there are lots and lots of different um homebrew atlatl stat blocks out there but Mm. you know there isn't an official one and and they all sort of have varying degrees of of you know realisticness um so he and i Mm -hmm. built one so the atlatl would um for all of you be considered an exotic weapon so you would have to like train with it and you know gain Mm. exotic weapon proficiency in order to use it but it is um because it's a ranged weapon it uses dexterity like a bow or something like that yeah i want the the razor blade club thing (laughs) so good for a rogue to just be running in with an axe (laughs) i want it i don't care (laughs) does it function the same way as an axe for the game i mean like what is um i i gave it stats like a wait hold on let me reread what i wrote it has yeah it has stats as a morning star because it's spiky and also (laughs) slammy um (laughs) makes sense in a rogue use it i am back Sorry for no, the delay. No, you're fine. Go for no. it. <laughs> we're, we're all just like, oh my god, we want these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're talking about the stats. Uh, okay, so, okay, I heard the tail end of the stats part. I missed uh, a little bit of the middle there. But, okay, so different Thrive Cream have different types of atlatls depending on the geographic area they're from. And the atlatl that I use as kind of a central Thrive Cream is this style. It has these two finger loops like this a long main shaft, a rock as a counterweight. And then this is the main part. This is the spur. I know the light is like doing terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible things. With this. But uh, it is very flat and it has this in-cut spur. And this spur connects to the tail end of this long feathered spear. Okay. It's very long and thin. It's not like a javelin. It's not like a thick thrusting spear. This is a, actually called a dart. And I am so sorry. The light, I'm not realizing the lighting is truly good. I, I can try to fix that. <laughs> So how 
Oh. <laughs> well, we left a bye. Close the shades. <laughs> so um, the the spur looked heart shaped, like the yeah. yeah. So is the, yeah, uh, that's so where it'll catch. That uh, the 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 hole here that's heart shaped is actually just a purely aesthetic thing. A work equally well if this is solid, but this is such a thin piece that when I carved it out, it kind of put a hole through the back, and I just ran with it and kind of kept okay. it in. Uh, okay. But they wouldn't always have this. And this thrower part is actually the atlatl itself. And that's spelled A-T-L-A-T-L. Okay. -A -T -L. And the long spear is the dart. And, and this atlatl thrower is about two feet long, 24 inches. And the spears are six feet long each. Oh. Uh, and yeah. this is style for the Eastern Thrive Team. And instead of having those two finger loops, it actually has this, what we call a hammer grip. And you hold it like you would a hammer and you kind of pinch the spear here. And this hook, instead of being carved into the piece, it is protruding out of the piece and it still has this counterweight. And then this is the Northern Thrycreen atlatl. And instead of having two finger loops or a hammer grip, it has one single finger loop and you hold the spear with your middle finger. And it also has a very, very short protruding spur. Uh, and just to give you an, a general idea of how this works, not that I can throw it. <laughs> yeah, don't throw it in your apartment, Lose your security so, deposit. So th there's, a, there's, a there's a dimple in the back of this dart. You can see that there. And dimple connects in with the spur like that. And as you throw, you flick the atlatl, and that pushes the spur from, from behind the center of gravity. Uh, and then as it's flying, the spear actually bends and flexes up and down in the air. And that actually keeps it on target and kind of maintains a conservation of, of momentum and uh, pushes the dart forward a little bit more and provides massive damage to the animals in the desert and allows us to stay safe from predators or other enemy creatures, but also hunt very effectively. And um, our atlatls are tipped with these obsidian spearheads, which we make ourselves. Uh, we also make spearheads out of other materials, such as <laughs> uh, flint, if we can find it. But this is a lot rarer in the desert. Obsidian is much more common in the desert. But these flint air, uh, spearheads and another obsidian spearhead. I don't know how well that's. I hope that's showing up okay. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. looks good. Yeah. So, so these are all these are all handmade uh, out of the materials that we find in the desert. And we have the, and that allows us to have the ability to repair our tools in the field if they ever get broken or our weapons or anything. We're just quiet because we're like in awe. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one of our listener, yeah, one of our audience, Biker Dave, would like to know what's the weight of the spearheads, um, and does it differ between materials? I guess. Uh, yeah. So the different materials have very different densities, so the, the weight is going to change. Uh, but generally, the heads are between like. They can be anywhere from 10 to 25 grams. Uh, it just depends. For my my IRL throwers that I use as an experimental archaeologist, I use 165 to 190 grain archery field points, uh, which look like they're made out of metal, so they're not actually obsidian, but they're just for experimentation or weight purposes. Um, but this one is 175 grains. Oh, sorry, this is 190 grains, 190 grains. And I don't know the gram conversion, but I can, I think it is, I believe I have it written here. Maybe not. Anyway, about, about like 15-ish grams, somewhere around there. 
So overall, it's pretty light. Um, and uh, it's Very worth, light. Very, very light. And it's worth pointing out those darts that he's showing you are about the height of Fletcher. <laughs> like, if you stand yeah. one end of it on the ground, like, it, they're very, very long. Yeah. The, enti- the entire weight of the dart is anywhere from four to seven ounces. Just depends on the length and the thickness and the material. So I have, like, a lighter dart here that's made out of uh, river cane. And with river cane, you can't put a point directly on the tip. So you have to use a foreshaft. And let me, Ooh, maybe I don't have a foreshaft with me. Oh, I don't think I have a foreshaft with me. But anyway, you take a smaller stick and put it into the hole at the front of the dart. You drill out a hole using a flint or obsidian drill bit about that deep. You stick in the, uh, the, the foreshaft. And that allows us to use shorter, like five foot main shaft. If we, in the desert, we can't find a long six foot stick. If we can find a shorter stick, we can extend it by using this method of the foreshaft. And the benefit of that as well is that the foreshaft will stick into our prey and the main shaft will fall out, uh, which preserves the main shaft because if this whole shaft being six feet long is sticking into the side of an animal and it thrashes in the woods or in the desert, it can hit a bush and just snap the, the, uh, the shaft. So if the foreshaft kind of pops out, then I only have to carry two, two or three of these main shafts and a small pouch of foreshaft that have a variety of different sizes and shapes of points depending on the type of prey uh, or enemy that I'm fighting and allows me a little bit more versatility. So that the foreshaft technology is, is pretty unique to our people as well. Uh, specifically the, the South, the central Western, central Southwestern dry cream that throw this type of atlatl are also known for having that foreshaft technology in their darts. Whereas other at- Crane and other atlatl users using different types of atlatls don't necessarily always have that foreshaft kind of a regional specific innovation same thing with the the finger loops which prevents elbow injury when you're throwing this style this hammer grip style can give you tennis elbow over a lifetime of use and the finger loops transfer that into your wrist so you kind of balance the strain between the two joints and it is going to still probably cause some long-term orthopedic damage but it's not going to be as bad as if you just had the normal style of that ladle it's the, the strain is distributed a little better yeah exactly exactly i mean i imagine wielding any weapon over a lifetime would probably do damage to a person so you know true. very <laughs> true was, very true i was just reading an article about how like you can see skeletal deformities on english longbowmen mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from that so, use over lifetimes. so archaeologists have identified an osteo like arthritic condition that they deem at lateral elbow that shows up in the right elbow of populations that had extreme atlatl use. And the first uh, skeleton, that, or the oldest skeleton to have this documented uh, is a skeleton named the Mungo Man in anthropology, archaeology. And it was excavated about 43,000 years ago. I mean, it was, sorry, it lived 43,000 years ago, excavated, you know, 50 years ago. And it had one of the worst cases of atlatl elbow ever documented uh, his, to the point where his elbow likely had like close to fused shut uh, at the end of his end of wow. his life and probably was incredibly painful. But considering that, it's, again, it's only in one elbow, but pre- predominantly the right elbow, and that we have modern atlatl throwers who exhibit similar injuries towards the end of their careers, that uh, we're able to make this connection. Wow. Wow. However, the Thrycreen being arthropod humanoids probably don't have that problem. Probably don't because they don't problem, have joints yeah. inside. They have joints outside. I also just <laughs> wanted to show off what we use as knives as well. So this is a uh, pretty, for, for our people, I should say, not necessarily super historically accurate. But 
for the throw screen, we'll call this a standard knife. It's about five and a half inches, made out of mahogany obsidian. Again, hand napped to be razor sharp. And sometimes used in the hand, sometimes hafted to a stick as a handle. But these are, this is my toolkit. <laughs> this young man who's uh, welcomed you into his tent is armed to the mandibles. <laughs> yeah. Come into my house, let me show you all of my weapons. <laughs> we are very weapons. friendly. We're so welcoming. Look at our festival. Also, here's all the ways we can kill you yeah. if you misbehave. You've interrupted our festival. Here are my weapons. <laughs> We've been uh, using them for games. Yeah, and we should have stayed in, in that canyon. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely uh, just be on your best behavior. Not that this is related, but a Makawito can actually decapitate a horse with one hit. So. There, we have many ways to dispose mm-hmm. of our enemies if we're crossed. Uh, uh, you hear that, Cedric? I'm sure we'll all be very polite, right? <laughs> we're so polite. Ooh, we're the most right, polite Cedric? people. We're, we're ever a met. very polite group. We're always very uh-huh. polite. Uh-huh. Right, Cedric? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nadia is staring daggers at Cedric. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Cedric doesn't notice. Yeah, would would it be okay to ask if you would trade one of the um, macho macho weetles? I'm saying that wrong. That's okay. Yeah, the, the macua weetle. Um, yeah, the yeah macua weetle. Uh, I would trade a spare macua weetle. There are also vendors at the festival later. Mm that may be selling wares. So that might be a better better place to to get an atlatl or a makwa uh, weetle or obsidian tools or any of the other uh, wares that my people make, uh, such as baskets as well, pottery, things like that. Cool. Yeah. And there are Wonderful. other um, other games and forms of entertainment happening besides the mochetas. There are also um, there's a handful of other games that are sort of athletic games, and then there's also a game that's more like uh, like the <laughs> at a county fair where you toss ping pong balls at bowls of goldfish. Mm-hmm. There's something that's kind of mm. like that too. <laughs> <laughs> The rigged so, skill games. I, <laughs> this one's not rigged, mm-hmm. but yeah. <laughs> so will you will you be competing tonight? Definitely. So I'm of the prime competition age where uh, a big part of my coming of age and development into a higher class member of the society is placing well at these events in my mid-20s. So uh, I will be competing and... I hope to be able to say that I'm a favorite to to place very well this year. Uh, right. Doing this for a long time, I was very young and compete every year. So I've been throw, making and throwing at Waddles for, for 10 years, a little over 10 years now. And hopefully that'll give me the background necessary to, to place well competition. Well, we will cheer you on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how time dilation happens but it could be time to start the festival or just go to the competition grounds now yeah you guys can sort of you know shoot the breeze until it's time and we can jump forward in time yeah it's like tv (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think yeah yeah, i think we'd definitely be resting in the shade of this tent with some water Mm -hmm. until the sun was starting to go down anyway i don't think we're ready to go back out perfect again uh Cedric is hungry before. Of course. It's of course. It, it, when it's still the sun is still up. <laughs> um, we tell him to wait. Move on then. Any last 
Min last questions about like that lateral and stuff before I figure this is a good time before we get back into the action to kind of yeah. go through some of these things that I have. Uh, yeah, yeah. If we're just like breaking out to talk more about Atlatl as a technology, sure. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll ring the bell so that we're like officially <laughs> OOC. Okay, so out of character. Yeah, so Angelo, when you were saying like, oh, these uh, regional Atlatl designs. So those you said like South Central and Northern and stuff. Mm-hmm. So where do those correspond to in real world geography? <laughs> okay, so yeah, so this um, this style with the finger loops is called a basket maker style. It is the most like hyper-specific style uh, that is very well documented. It is from the American Southwest and Northern Mexico. Uh, however, t- dual finger loop style at laddles, there's like evidence of them as far down as uh, the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. Uh, but the primary users were uh, in the American Southwest in the, in the desert. So specifically like Southern Nevada, Northern Arizona. And that's also where most of the atlatl artifacts in the world have been uh, excavated because the dry climate preserves things like wood and leather better. So there are yeah, more atlatl artifacts of any kind have been found in the American Southwest than anywhere else in the world. And although we have that osteoarthritic evidence of atlatl use potentially going back as far as like 45,000 BCE, the oldest concrete archaeological evidence of atlatls is about 17,500 BCE, and that's in Paleolithic Pleistocene France. So... Uh, this was a very universal weapon used all over the world. In fact, it is one of the most universal weapons of all time. It is also arguably the oldest mechanical invention in human history. So uh, this is the first time that any sort of lever, like a simple machine, mm-hmm. was implemented. Uh, and specifically, this is the first what we call a compound weapon, or, or sorry, complex weapon or tool. So in archaeological terms, a compound weapon is any weapon that or a compound tool, I should say, because weapons are just tools. Compound tools are any tool that has two different materials permanently attached together. So if you have a, if I take my knife and I attach, and I glue a stick to it to make a handle, it is now a compound weapon. A complex weapon is when you have two parts to like a simple machine that detach in some way uh, that are not permanently connected. So a bow and arrow is a complex weapon. And that ladle and dart is a complex weapon. A sling, on the other hand, is more of a kind of a simple weapon because it doesn't have multiple parts. The ammunition is not really like a part. However, the reason that the dart is included in the ammunition of the atlatl is because the darts are engineered, honestly have more physics and engineering put into them than the atlatl itself. Uh, you can take any stick with this little hook and it works on that ladle, but the darts actually are where all the magic happens. So uh, they're, they're really highly specified fine-tuned machines, the, the darts themselves. And uh, so this more hammer style, hammer grip atlatl, is more common kind of like east, northeastern or east coast of North America and the older styles, the, like the, the Pleistocene styles in Europe, um, where, where this more hammer grip style, the Ice Age atlatls would have, instead of having like a wooden spur, the stick would maybe come to like here and then they would attach an antler piece that they would carve into like an animal figurine that has a spur and then tie the antler onto the stick or they drill holes into the stick to like have lashings for the antler. So in that sense, the atlatl itself would have been a compound weapon, right? Because it has the stick and the antler, whereas the, uh, the basket maker style is always one piece. So the, the spur is carved into the, the atlatl. So there are basically three things that make a basket maker atlatl, atlatl a basket maker atlatl. Uh, the first is the recessed spur. 
so the carved in spur instead of the protruding spur. The second is the dual finger loops. And the third is the counterweight here. Uh, it's pretty typical of, of the American Southwest. Oh, I just found the force shaft, by the way, that I was trying to show earlier. Oh. So that force shaft, I can show that now. This is just a short, like six inch force shaft that'll slide into the socket here, but it's not so firm that it won't come. So it just can very easily pop out, but it's yeah. definitely in there enough so that it can handle the throw. I don't know how I was able to just find that when I couldn't find it earlier. <laughs> uh, and then this style with the one finger loop that I said was the Northern flag green, this is an Arctic style. So anywhere in the Arctic circle, and even as far down as, as the like Pacific Northwest. So the, the Tlingit peoples, the Inuits, the Alutique, Aleutians, they all use a similar, a similar style. Their atlatls were much shorter because they were throwing into the water or on the water to hunt waterfowl and steel uh, as like a harpoon. But this is a Alaskan st or Arctic style that's been kind of like sized up to be a terrestrial thrower versus an aquatic thrower. The darts of different peoples of around the world also were a little bit different. So in the Arctic Circle, because they're throwing into the water, you don't want as much flexibility in the dart. And like a longer dart has more of that like refraction effect in the water. So they're usually shorter, like four foot darts or harpoons. The physics behind it is the same. In the American Southwest, five to five and a half foot darts are more common. Most parts of the world, six foot to seven foot is common. And then in Australia, their atlatls are unlike any other atlatl elsewhere in the world. They call their atlatls WOMRAs. That's W-O-O-M-E-R-A. And it is, okay, I guess the best analog might be to start by describing, like, we'll start with something like this, or actually this, well, the Alaskan atlatl. But imagine if this part was much wider, like this wide, along the whole thing. So very wide. And if it was cupped like a like like that, huh. almost okay. like this along the entire length, uh, and then it would come to a point on both sides, and one side would be the handle, and then the other side would be the spur. Wumras often have some sort of uh, like a glue gum type of. They would take the, the the end of the stick and dip it in like a glue or gum that would make this large ball that would they would kind of hold onto like a handle, and then they could even glue like a little flint knife into that end. In the bowl of the of the of the Wumra, they could collect berries. They would paint maps of either the stars or the landscape on both sides, and then they would even put notches on the edges for uh, friction fires to rub the stick into the notch, and it creates heat. So with one atlatl and or one Wumra and dart, it's like an outback survival kit. You've got fire starter. It's a multi-tool. Yeah, yeah, it's a multi-tool. It's like a Swiss Army knife. You've got your collector. You've got a map. You've got a knife. You've got your. I mean, you can use it as a club. You. You know, you've got, obviously you can throw something at it and they would hunt a uh, kangaroo with, with that ladle. There's actually a video, it's, I believe it's like a 1971, 1960s, 1970s National Geographic video of Aborigines in Australia who nail a speeding kangaroo at like however fast kangaroo run. I'm going to guess like 45 miles an hour plus. Like 40, oop, I think my headphones just died. <laughs> can oh. you hear me still? Yes. Yeah, I'm still hearing yeah. At like 40 or 50 yards with this eight foot long Wumra spear launched with this Wumra. And because their spears are longer, their Wumras are longer as well. Instead of being like two feet, they're more like three feet because more leverage equals more power. And if you're going to have a bigger spear, you're going to have a bigger, bigger Wumra. Um, so the word atlatl though, is kind of the catch-all or like spear thrower or atlatl is kind of what it's very com commonly known as, especially in the Western hemisphere. Atlatl is a Nahuatl word, which is the language of the Aztec people. Language of the Nahua people who we identify as the Aztec Empire. Nahuatl people still live in Mexico to this day, and they still speak Nahuatl. And uh, that TL 
uh, I don't even know what to call it, but that TL sound is like typical of the Nahuatl language. It shows up in so many of their words. The salamander, the axolotl, is mm-hmm. also- That's what I thought. I was like, oh, I, I thought they might have been from the Mexico region. I was like, kind of sounds like axolotl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, axolotl is part of the same uh, same language family. And then there, it's actually a lot of groups, even in the American Southwest, speak or have their languages branched from Udo Aztecan, which then kind of split into the Aztecan Nahuatl branch, and then like the Ute branch of languages, where we get like Paiute and Utah from. Uh, so really, really interesting how this all kind of ties in and all these people kind of use the same weapon and it traveled with them. So my character's name, Kui, is actually a play on one of the most famous kings of Teotihuacan, which was a pre-Columbian Mexican civilization that existed before the Aztecs around the same time as the classic Maya empires existed. Not that the classic Maya were one cohesive empire, but at the same time that the of the classic Maya in southern Mexico and northern Guatemala and Belize, Teotihuacan was a separate empire happening in the Central Valley of Mexico. And a Teotihuacan general slash king, it's hard to know from the archaeological records, <laughs> but it seems like a, a general from Teotihuacan came and either somehow exerted extreme diplomatic pressure, either through conquering the Maya states or establishing some sort of other diplomatic power in the name of the king of Teotihuacan at the time, which was Hatsum Kui, which translates to spear thrower owl or atlatl owl. Uh, so this guy's king was named after atlatls basically. And we can track the spread and influence of the atlatl weapon through glyphs and stuff that happened in the Maya region after this general brings this king through the Maya area. So although the Maya people likely had atlatls before, the importance of the atlatl in a cosmological sense was kind of really pushed by the Teotihuacanos, and that was also pushed by the Aztecs later. So the Aztecs came from northern Mexico, uh, the Nahua came from northern Mexico into central Mexico after the Teotihuacan had collapsed, found the Teotihuacan ruins, assumed that that was like the city of the gods, basically, kind of misinterpreted the history, co-opted some of their history, the Teotihuacan history, in order to make up for the fact that they were transplants into the Central Valley of Mexico from Northern Mexico and establish some sort of like, oh, we actually descend from that old kingdom that used to be here 100 years ago and developed theological and cosmological significance to the atlatl as a weapon as well. Everywhere else in the world, like Eurasia and Eurasia basically stopped using the atlatl around 15,000 BCE when the bow and arrow was introduced. But the native groups of the Americas and particularly the Aztec potentially because they put theological like religious importance on the use of the atlatl continue to the, use the atlatl alongside the bone arrow up until european contact and in fact specifically for the aztecs they revered the atlatl as like a more supreme weapon over the bone arrow which is like ironic because everywhere else in the world saw it the exact other way around so that's why atlatls are called atlatls and the spanish had no clue really clue what to <laughs> call like make of them when they saw them so there was a lot of like spanish writing that mischaracterizes or miscategorizes atlatls and by the time that the spanish had gotten to that area atlatls had become such a symbol that like there were these like extremely ornate ceremonial atlatls that looked so different from the actual atlatl mm-hmm. that you use that there's a theory that a lot of spaniards when they wrote certain words to describe these like scepters or serpents or like these scepters that the kings were holding well it's actually they were just decorative atlatls that the kings were holding Mm -hmm. but they didn't recognize that and they kind of had understood like oh they have this spear throwing weapon and then they kind of got that but they didn't see the connection between that and the 
all these like religious yeah. items that that the kings and the priests were, were using or holding in fact and this is kind of like super sad but one of the first gifts that the aztecs gifted to hernan cortez when they landed in mexico and like the Aztec had a very strong network of spies and messengers. So as soon as something happened at the outskirts of the kingdom, the people in the middle of the kingdom knew pretty quickly. So the first thing they really sent out as one of the first like gift sets potentially were three atlatls that are were either painted turquoise or carved out of turquoise crystal with accompanying darts that were equally ornate and they had gemstones in them. So so the Spaniards describe receiving a gift of these. They had no word for them. They just said these items that are turquoise and have gems in them and are inlaid with gold and these other like spear type things, but they didn't understand that they were atlatls or that they were connected. And then there was almost no record of them. So they shipped them in a crate with a bunch of these other Aztec things that they've looted, shipped it in a crate back to King Frederick of the Holy Roman Empire, who had controlled Spain at that time. And it was put into various dungeons like literal dungeons in Germany and lost and or forgotten about. Some of them have turned up over the years, some of these artifacts, some of these writings. Uh, in like the late 1800s, there's a archeologist named Zelia Natal who went to Dresden, Germany and rediscovered a crate of these old writings that describe atlatls and was the first person to put together all the puzzle pieces and like decipher the Spanish's explanations of what they were seeing. But she was able to, unable to find any record of like where those crystal atlatls ended up. A lot of the stuff that was looted from the Aztecs just got taken apart and remade into other jewelry for the colonizers in Europe. So they were likely either lost or dismantled and turned into other items 500 years ago. So that would be, though, if I, have, if I had to write an Indiana Jones sequel, and I know that there's one coming out. Right. It would, it would be, be so in, good. Yeah, Indiana Jones and the Lost Turquoise Atlatl of the Aztec Empire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a mouthful of oh, the title, yeah. but Over I the last 500 yeah. years, there's... Yeah. There's so many ways that those could have been lost in Europe mm -hmm. over the last exactly. 500 years. Yeah. Yeah. There is a story that in the, like, the last stand, remember the Alamo moment in Tenochtitlan. So, so the Aztec tried to conquer the Spanish twice. In 1519, they were pushed back after killing the, assassinating the king of the Aztecs. And they kind of assumed that they could just like kill the king and then just kind of secret, like just take mm -hmm. over. But the Aztec were way too kind of organized for that. So they pushed them back. They came back in 1521 with reinforcements. By then, smallpox had ravaged the Aztec Empire. So they came back with even less resistance. But uh, the atlatls were used heavily against the Spaniards. And it is written by one of the Spanish that, like, in the final moments of the, the end of the battle, one of the priests, or one of the generals, instructed a soldier to go into the temple of Huichilopochtli, which was their war god, and take down the sacred atlatl of Huichilopochtli, which... Wow different interpretations either they believed this to be the actual uh actual atlatl of the gods which launched fire when you threw it and had like never been thrown it'd been like in this temple for for generations or whatever and it was carved beautifully while we associate red and orange with fire the color representative for fire for the aztec was turquoise or shiwi or shiwu it's like x-i-h-u was like their their root for that turquoise color that represents fire and also represents that ladles because they're all part of the same kind of cosmology so anyway theoretically there was some like all powerful mystical atlatl that was used in the final battle as a last ditch effort by the aztec to save themselves and that atlatl didn't i don't think make it back to europe so it I was, there was destroyed in the battle or somewhere lost who knows when but i think that specific atlatl could be the 
MacGuffin for the Indiana Jones. <laughs> sure, yeah. But yeah. there already is this like mystical element to it, which is kind of interesting. And, and all of that stuff that I just explained was like written about and compiled by that Zealand and Natal archaeologist from the 1890s, who was also possibly and, and I and I worked with I, I kind of researched this a little bit, but possibly the first women in any social science field to hold a title of professor in any university in the world. So she was professor of archaeology at the National Institute, or the National Institute or National University of Mexico in like 1897 or something like that, which was well before most colleges were even allowing women to be students, let alone faculty. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Before. Well, I mean, I hate the colonizer part, but like, I love mm. all of the interesting history and like, that's not yeah. stuff that we get taught in school. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually was just thinking back how much of that there there is just a, so Texas schools teach Texan history that's a whole subject two years in one in elementary one in middle school and they just ever so briefly right at the beginning will brush upon some of the the, the native history and I was trying to think because a couple of those sounded familiar on text but yeah that's for the most part that stuff that's just not taught in American education. And the reason I got into atlatls is because I'm a third or fourth grade Nevada history, so I'm from Nevada, Nevada history textbook uh, class type of thing. There was, and I don't know, you know, if this is like a reference everyone gets, but in those textbooks, like in those elementary school textbooks, they always have like extra tidbits or little facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like a one sentence little blurb. And it's usually corresponds to like something that the main text of the textbook is talking about. So this was talking about hunter-gatherer history of Nevada. And then a tiny one-sentence blurb on the margin was like, the Native Americans of Nevada used a weapon called the atlatl to hunt bighorn sheep. That's all it said. No picture, (laughs) no description, no explanation, just that. And that was enough for me to like, I was like, okay, wait, I want to learn, I want to know more about this. Like, why can't, why is this only one sentence in the textbook? So that's what pushed me to start researching atlatls. And then I've been making them and researching them basically ever since. That's amazing. <laughs> That's really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, a little so, over 10 years, and then I joined, there's a World Atlatl Association that runs competitions internationally, and I joined them like five or six years ago, started competing with them, and then I was elected to the board of directors for the World Atlatl Association two years ago. So, now I'm in a more official capacity organizing competitions, and also I do a lot of atlatl outreach public education type of stuff. So local like natural history museums or university groups, K through 12 schools. Uh, I've worked with the Bureau of Land Management, the State Park Service, National Parks, like anything that'll have me do any sort of presentation, I'll try to offer myself to do that. So uh, I have like a mobile atlatl rig that I take places with a pop-up target and let people try to throw and it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's so cool. Love it. Love it. Love it. Very. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you want to? Uh, did you want to sort of explain our thought process behind the stat block that we built for the atlatl based oh, yes. on um, how you compare it to other uh, ancient weapons? Yeah. So there was a research paper in 1986 called "The Ballistics of the Atlatl" by Raymond Anon, and it was like one of the first physics papers written on the atlatl and its power and stuff like that. And the it's like the most cited kind of thing for this type of stat comparisons. And basically, atlatls, they are very light and thin compared to like a hand-thrown javelin. But uh, I don't know if any of you have tried to throw a javelin before or anything. <laughs> I have. We 
Yeah, in the Amazon, like they let you try and throw the traditional javelin. I'm very bad at it. I'm also very bad at the blow dart. So this, okay, hold on. So we Uh get to like shoot the blow dart, right? And I brought my cousin who's almost nearly blind. Like she has an autoimmune disease that's eating her eyes. We're in a group, right? We all try and shoot the papaya with the blow dart. All of us sighted people miss it. The one blind girl shoots the papaya with (laughs) with the blow dart. I was like, Bucket. I'm going home. <laughs> That's great. But, uh, yeah, I find that, uh, I wonder if you said it was your cousin. Mm-hmm. I- I'm curious to see them try to use that ladle now. If they can hit a papaya with a Maybe I, I've like thrown I've thrown the like the traditional javelins and I like shot the traditional blow darts. I'm very bad at both of them. <laughs> so so javelins and like hand thrown spears thrown overhand like that are very very ineffective weapons at distances, especially and, and people assume because the Olympic record for javelin throw is 103 meters, and that they see TVs and movies where people successfully take down large relatively large animals with a spear throw from considerable distance. That that's accurate in any way shape or form the effective so the body mechanics for a throwing something like that is actually like very poor especially something like a spear and it's generally accepted that like the maximum effective range of a weapon like that is five to seven meters which is very very short for a range wow so if you imagine like even a uh, there's a study done and it's kind of kind of funny there are these spears that were found they're four hundred thousand years old they are technically 380,000 years old. They're called the Schernengen spears, and they were a collection of long hunting spears that were used by Neanderthals to hunt prehistoric horses 380,000 years ago. And these were discovered uh, in like the middle of the 20th century. And there's like seven of them, they're like seven feet long, maybe like two inches, in, or maybe like an inch to two inches in diameter. And there's been a big debate. Were these thrusting weapons or were these throwing weapons? And a study done like two years ago took a bunch of collegiate, like top collegiate javelin throwers who, who all have like, norm, you know, normally can throw a javelin, you know, 85 meters, right? Which is, you know, at the top end of like a collegiate track and field type of event, uh, world records like 103 meters. And had them try to throw on a flat trajectory, not like an arcing trick, just a flat trajectory at a target 20 feet in front of them. and many of them were not able to hit the target or even get the spear to reach the target despite normally being able to throw three times that distance just because of the the, me- the mechanics of it at ladles on the other hand even though they're not as heavy as those javelins because they're traveling so much faster they have a really huge impact force so at ladle darts generally travel at about 70 to 85 miles an hour and you can imagine something like this, which isn't that heavy, but is quite large and sharp coming at you, spiraling at 80 miles an hour. It's going to do, a, it's, this is going to carve a large hole. And that's mm-hmm. one of the benefits of that ladle is that you have this like very, you know, like the advantage of any broadhead basically is that you're going to have a, a very large damage. So accuracy for that ladles, effect, maximum effective range is about 25 meters. So much, much better than throwing spears at seven meters, but not as good as bone arrows, which especially modern recurve or compound bows have a maximum effective range of like 100 meters. It's unbelievable, right? Like uh, I think a standard Olympic range is 70 meters and they're nailing perfect tens like all the time. So, but in terms of what we'd call a self bow or what some people would call a primitive bow, even though I don't use that term, your distance and range with an atlatl and a bow and arrow are going to be almost identical, but very, very similar. The difference is that the bow is going to be more precise Really, though, like within 15 meters, a top 
at lateral thrower and a self bow archer is going to have very similar accuracy. The, the throwing motion though is very like big and I like to call it visually loud. Mm-hmm. As the Pleistocene ended and the Ice Age ended and you went from hunting giant ground sloths and woolly mammoths to hunting deer and bighorn sheep, which are small, fast, and skittish. And as the icy tundra gets replaced with deciduous forest, you have less room to swing your arm. The throwing motion is going to scare a deer. Mm-hmm. But the motion to release an arrow is this. That's it. And it doesn't require any headspace. So that's the real... like One of the posited reasons is why bow and arrow was preferred over the atlatl. Not necessarily because it was more powerful, because it's really not, especially those like earlier bows. And not because necessarily because it's more accurate. We'd assume that lifetime hunters in 20,000 BCE probably were very, very accurate in that ladle. And it probably, you know, again, with modern uh, experimentation, self-bows are pretty comparably accurate to at ladles. So the range is going to be like two or three times that of a hand-thrown spear, about half of a bone arrow, but with two to three times the damage of a bone arrow because the spear is so much longer. And so the way we wound up after talking this out and sort of comparing the stats, um, so for all of your reference, a javelin has a range increment of 30 feet. So if you try to throw a javelin in D&D further than 30 feet, it'll be at a penalty. Um, throwing a spear, the penalty starts after 20 feet. Um, so they got that, I guess, pretty close <laughs> to right. That's not a very far distance, but... Um, the book still says that, like, so for the javelin, um, since the range increment is 30 feet, that means that technically you could throw a javelin up to a maximum of 100 and, yeah, I'm doing that math right, 150 feet, which seems like a lot. So, you know, they're they're a little off. Um, but what we did with the atlatl and dart was say that the range increment is 80 feet, which puts it smack dab in between the range increments for short bows, which Kay has, and a long bow. So that means that you can throw the dart without any penalty up to 79 feet or whatever. And then, and then the penalty starts. Um, yeah, and, and that's super accurate because that's the exact, like I said, that 25, 20 to 25 meter range. Um, the top throwers in the world have near perfect. And they're hitting a target probably about that big, which is the size of the 10 ring at that level tournaments at 70 feet, 90% of the time, which is wow. crazy. And the world record for at lateral throw for distance is okay again for reference 103 meters is the world record for a javelin throw that's modern olympics perfect mechanics you know perfect form world record for an atlatl using only traditional materials is about 189 meters and the world record using modern carbon fiber materials is 273 meters at about 100 miles an hour (laughs) i think peter wants one i'm just i'm just thinking about like like I would feel solid about a rifle shot at that range. Yeah, like, yeah. like that would yeah. be like that's that. So, wow. Yeah. And, and for the the rough conversion, that's that's a hundred and no, I'm sorry, that's eight hundred and fifty six feet for that maximum distance throw. Pretty terrifying weapons. I will share before we go back into scene because I think mm-hmm. this will kind of end the atlatl portion. Uh, and since we're talking about the damage, there is a writing from a Spanish conquistador or priest during the conquest who talks about the damage inflicted against the Spaniards by the Atlatls. <laughs> and, I, and I don't, you know, who knows the, the truth or the veracity of some of these claims, right? But this is roughly what was written. Modern experiments have proven that obsidian-tipped Atlatls will go through chainmail, like, poses no issue. So this is the story. Spanish conqueror on a horse 
at lateral dart comes from 100 meters away, goes through the chainmail on his leg, through his leg, through the chainmail on the other side, into the horse, kills the horse, pins him to the horse, and he's pinned to the horse as the horse topples, and that's how he dies, bleeding out from his leg. Wow. Obsidian, obsidian Amazing. Um, wow. Also, once this goes in, you're not going to pull it out. Mm. You're, you're just pushing it through mm-hmm. and pulling the whole thing mm-hmm. through the wound. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially obsidian will fracture and explode into shrapnel in the wound. So obsidian is the sharpest natural material. Let me back it up. <laughs> Obsidian is the sharpest material, natural or otherwise, period, ever discovered on the planet Earth. When flaked right, a single flake or edge of obsidian can go down to uh, one micron thick. Uh, so it slices through at an almost molecular level. It is unbelievably sharp. It's like 20 times sharper than surgical steel or something crazy like that. Um, so there are ophthalmologists or optometrists, whichever one does the surgery part that have experimented with using obsidian blades for uh, like cataract surgery because it's so sharp that it the wound super clean cut bleed it's a clean cut and it doesn't uh they heal like twice as fast as mm-hmm. even surgical steel because even surgical steel is really tearing through your your the flesh obsidian because it gets like to a molecule thick truly definitionally slices through materials it is unbelievable unbelievable material so I can imagine that exploding into a wound if it hits like a leg bone or something with all that tiny shrapnel. And then again, the, the Makwa Weetal is an entire broadsword with obsidian shrapnel all around the edge on three, like all the way around. Yeah, the, the, the whole decapitating a horse also comes from Spanish writing. The way they would kind of do it is you'd, it's like part bashing weapon, part slashing weapon. So they would hit and then drag the sword through the wound, which that all that obsidian just slice, 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 slice the way down. So it's this kind of like half chopping, half slashing motion that's really unique to the weapon. And that allows you to go through like, like the, the, the swing will break a bone and then the, the slashing will cut through all the flesh in between. And that's how you can like get clean, relatively clean decapitations with, with stuff like this. It's pretty, pretty insane. And when he told me all of this about the obsidian, um, so again, as Angelo showed us before, there are multiple different ways that are multiple different materials that people would make the dart heads out of. And so if you're using a flint or chert head using our atlatl stats for D&D, it does the normal damage that we've written. And um, you guys may have heard this before. I know, you know, because Nancy Kay uses a bow. Um, there's a rule in D&D about being able to recollect at the end of a combat something like 50% of the arrows that you used or whatever. So the flint and or chert heads for the atletal darts are the same way. You can collect approximately 50% of them after a combat's over. But with the obsidian dart heads, uh, because they shatter, they have a much lower recollection rate, so it's only 25% chance, but they have a high chance of doing extra damage because of the shrapnel effect. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we actually customized the weapon damage based on which kind of dart head you're using yeah that's really so cool, cool. And, and again, do we have money like because i'm a like a southwestern or south central western type of that area of thrycreen and i'm using that basket maker style at lateral which does use the four shafts i have like think of it like hawkeye's quiver where he has a mm-hmm. bunch of different tips to the same shafts mm-hmm. uh, in the avengers so i have a pouch with me uh that has all the different types of tips depending nice. on what's going oh, with man. materials, and, and it, so I only have to carry. 
three shafts. I think did we specify mm -hmm. that I I think I we specified I'm carrying three shafts or no? Did that that sounds right. Okay, yeah, three <laughs> shafts and then like a bunch of these little four shafts with different tips. So it's very, very cool. I had so much fun talking through this with him so we could build our stat block. So this sounds like a great sort of pause to the science conversation, at least for right now, because we'll probably come back and talk about the other part of this story when we get to it. Um, but this seems like a great place for us to take our 15 minute break. Um, so thank you for everybody who's been hanging out in the chat. We appreciate you being here with us. Um, yeah, we're gonna take a 15 minute break instead of our normal 10 minute break because Nancy's dog is sick. Um, <laughs> but we'll be back in 15 minutes. Go get a snack, some water, take a stretch for your legs, whatever you need to do. And we will see you back here real soon. Thanks everybody. Hello and welcome. I'm your host and GM Ellen of the Birdhouse Mysteries, a Savage Worlds actual play podcast. In our story, a half genie, a celestial blooded woman, a forest half giant, and a dog travel to the desert to have their futures told and meet a cult instead. Join us Mondays for new episodes and any day on Twitter at Birdhouse Mist, M Y S T. Now, without further ado, we're back! Hello! Veronica's not here today to be scared by me saying we're back, but hello everyone else! We're back! We missed Boo. you! <laughs> Boo! Uh, <laughs> we hope you got some refreshments, stretch your legs, pet your pets, whatever. I want to start with, uh, Biker Dave asked a great question. It sounds like he is just as excited about these ancient weapons as Peter was getting. So Biker Dave would like to know, after watching a video of this, uh, uh, he would like to know, how do you aim with an atlatl and dart? Because he says with his compound bow, he has an eye loop and a sight. To aim so how does one aim yeah so first you pray and then you launch and then you just <laughs> no no uh actually the the aiming obviously there is no such thing as atlatl sights or any sort of uh aiming tools so unlike many other ranged weapons which have some sort of sights even simple bows have the ability to kind of sight with atlatls you're kind of just aiming down the shaft it's a lot of it is muscle memory and it's just pure repetition and practice there really is no sight the one tip that i will suggest um, and I can't really demonstrate it, but a lot of beginners, um, they'll have the atlatl like this, and they'll kind of have it right to the side of their body. And as they're about to, then they'll aim down the shaft at the target. And then right when they're about to throw, they reach back. And now what has happened? Their aim is off because they were aiming with their arm like this, and then they reached back. And when you reach back, you naturally lift your, like the, you naturally drop your wrist down, which causes the tip of the arrow to go up. So they aim flat at the target, they reach back. Now they're aiming 10 feet above the target, and then they finish falling through the throw. And where the dart actually goes is 10 feet above the target. So I tell people, start with your arm cocked back as far as it's going to be in the natural windup of your throw. So if you naturally are going to wind up here, that's where you start. Aim there, and then when during the throwing motion, 100% of your motion should be towards the target straight forward not this back and then forward. So that is my tip for accuracy. Not that I came up with that tip, but that's what I always tell people. And I do between probably like 18 to 24 at lateral throwing workshops and events throughout the year for people, for kids as young as second grade, like seven, eight years old, all the way up. So I've seen a lot of the same like mistakes over and over and over. I've kind of refined the whole teaching practice down to a science I would venture to guess that I do more at lateral throwing, like public workshops, than any other person at all. 
I don't know the exact stats on that, but that would be my, my gut instinct because, like, I basically know everyone who throws out ladles. There's not that many people out there. And, like, <laughs> as a college student, I'm the only one that has the free time to be able to do as many as I do. So, yeah, I, I think I've gotten really good at teaching beginners how to throw and how to throw accurately because I've spent more time practicing that skill. Like, I spend more time teaching people to throw out ladles than I throw out ladles myself. So, yeah, that, those are my tips for accurate. Oh, that's really cool. It's, so it sounds like it's it's mostly like eye contact with the target and then the follow through, right? Yep. Yeah. Basically, uh, yeah, follow through all the way, and you're just kind of sighting down the length of the spear as it's being held in front of you, and kind of lining up the point with where you want to go on the target. Very similar to the way that you aim with like archery that doesn't have a sight, like mm-hmm. a like a bare bow or a self bow. Um, very very kind of similar aiming mechanism, but then obviously the mechanics of the throw provide way more variables than the release of an arrow, so you have to compensate for that. But given enough time, like I said, advanced that lateral throwers have developed muscle memory to be nail- to nail almost any target with just amount of ac- amount of accuracy as somebody with a bow. So yeah, that's super cool. Oh man, love it. Okay, so we've learned quite a bit about how these ancient weapons work. Um, now we can pop you folks back into the action wherever you'd like. It sounds like maybe you wanted to time jump a little bit and get to the that early evening time to approach the moche toss. Is that where you'd like to start? <laughs> See the games? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we probably can pick up some, like, fry bread or some food along the way. And the rest of you oh. can snack while I compete. Uh, and maybe, maybe, how about for the first couple rounds, I'm not competing yet. And I talk you through how the competition works. And then I go compete and probably will have to roll to see how well I, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and there's uh, even the option for you to teach all of these brand new friends of yours how to how to do it as well they don't have to compete necessarily but you could teach them if right. you feel like it yeah okay okay yeah sure so what's up cindy i was just also gonna say i can actually make water today still so oh, well, all right if we wanted some uh <clears throat> currency for 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 food and shopping on the way we could do that definitely Sorry. definitely so uh food and shopping on the way we can do that yeah so it's easy enough for you to pick up some <laughs> Um, yeah, it's easy enough for you to pick up some, like, like you said, fry bread or like, you know, these are another people that have, you know, insects as part of their diet and also some meats. Um, as he mentioned, there are uh, birds and small and large um, animal mammals and reptiles in the desert that they hunt. So, you know, there's a, a variety of things available to you. There's also, Cedric, a new and exotic kind of vegetable for you to try if you'd like. Yes, I would, I would absolutely don't <laughs> They have nopales. Because oh, yeah. you couldn't oh, be yeah. in the desert without Nepalis. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. So those, those I mean, big succulent plants with the spines that you saw earlier that you were all trying not to walk into, these mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. those pads, the leaves, have now been shaved of their spikes and cut into pieces and grilled and are available for you to try if you'd like to eat something green today. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would eat anything with fry bread. So yeah. <laughs> I'll eat whatever. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, Nadia, if you want to um, spend a, a create water, you can make how much? I can make two gallons per level. So I can make four gallons, which is pretty good. Yeah. I'd say we'd keep a little for ourselves and then say, hey, do you want like, how much, would we, what would our water skins even hold? That is a great question. Let's look up a water skin. I don't know how much of that. <laughs> I definitely have had this argument relatively recently. I imagine them being like a liter, a liter and a half. Yeah, I can't imagine it's very much per water skin. God damn it, D&D. All it says is, 
A water skin is a leather pouch with a narrow neck that is used for holding water. No, duh. <laughs> they have no it's capacity on it. It's made out of skin. Yeah. Especially in 3.5, everything is so granular and you're not going to give us the volume. No, like there's tables yeah. for everything else. They're just like, it holds water. Like, cool. <laughs> okay. I think, cool. I think a liter, well, actually, yeah, a liter probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think yeah, so. right. Like, like anything bigger than that, it seems like really awkward to carry, especially for yeah. like a floppy thing, yeah. well, like I without mean, putting it in another bag or something. It wouldn't be floppy if it was full of water. So I can see up yeah. to like like a two liter soda bottle would still fit on your side relatively reasonably. I think only if you're wearing Jinkos. <laughs> yeah, <you> can... <laughs> honestly, honestly, a liter a liter is a lot less volume than I think than we may imagine. So. Yeah. I would even venture to guess up to like two liters or you know half gallon might be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, picturing a camel. Possible. That's, I was just gonna say ye olde camelback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, we'd have at least two gallons to barter. Cool. All right, you got all, everybody has to roll to see what organ their water skin is made out of and what no. from what animal. <laughs> that'll determine the size. If it's yeah. if it's made out of an organ, it wouldn't be a water skin. It would yeah, be a water so, bladder. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, isn't isn't that a common thing to make water skins out of? I, I mean, thought water yes, skin I'm was teasing. just kind of a... Anyway, oh. we're not doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so you have two two gallons-ish of water to barter with, and the Thrycreen are very impressed with this. Um, you definitely are getting some weird looks. Like, not super-duper weird, kind of like the mouse folk level of weird, where, like, you were obviously an object of curiosity, but, like, they've seen other kinds of people before. They've never seen anything like any of you, um, so you're definitely interesting, but it's not like they've never seen anyone that didn't look exactly like them before. Yeah. And with Koi helping to sort of negotiate, um, you're able to use that water to buy food and things. Yeah. So, okay. Hmm? The, the Thrycreen, like, they... They're very, they're very insect-like in appearance, yes. right? Yeah, exoskeleton and everything. Yeah. Okay, but they don't look. So the only other like sim sentient ex insects that we've encountered were the ambrosia beetles, right? Like yes. that, like had weapons and things like that. Yeah. Do they look anything like the ambrosia beetle people? Mm, they are. Uh... That we murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I think Thrycreen death. I mean, the way that I imagined, I think, uh, or could describe bipedal praying mantis. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So they're much, um, they're taller and leaner and lankier. Um, and they've got mm. that more sort of mantid, like triangular head shape thing going on. Um, and they obviously don't have like giant, you know, round elytra on the back or whatever. Um, so yeah, they're maybe less insecty and more people-y looking, if that makes sense. I don't, I don't know if that was a great way to explain that, but yeah, like, you know, they're they're longer and leaner. Okay, cool. So again, they, like, tower over Cedric and Nadia. Um, but, you We're know. used to it. Everyone yeah. towers over Cedric right. and Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe my character, or Koi, is 5'10", yeah, 5'10", 135 pounds, so lean, tall, Ish, ish. <laughs> compared to, I mean, compared to to the other uh, folks in the D and D world. Yeah. 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 So you're in between Kay and Fletcher in height. So yeah. Okay, so we've probably arrived at the fairgrounds or the competition grounds now. Mm -hmm. uh, there will be a line of Thrycreen who are all holding these modified atlatls with the catch pegs or the cross pegs, and they're facing away from the crowd and. 
facing kind of perpendicular to this line, who are all facing the same direction, will be uh, leader of the tournament, and they'll have another modified atlatl with this large turkey feather shuttlecock attached to it. And they launch the atlatl up in front of the, the competitors, and the shuttlecock detaches from the atlatl dart in the air, and the atlatl dart falls, the shuttlecock floats freely down as the throwers attempt to throw and catch the dart. And again, this is the mocha toss. It is based off of an archaeologically accurate ritual or game uh, that does exist in the world. So yeah, so the mocha toss. And basically you get points for snagging the target and there's different flights, five people each or five flight green each round basically. Uh, and there's five throws per round and you collect points, and then at the, it's like a bracket, basically, it goes towards the end until you get to the final five, uh, and, and then you throw. So I am participating in one of the last brackets of the preliminary rounds. So there are a few rounds to watch ahead of time, like one or two maybe. And so he's describing this to you, and you do in fact see there's, you know, it's, again, a little difficult for all of you to age the Thrykreen because this is the very first day you've ever seen people like them, but you imagine they might be older or more in charge um, people on the side throwing these shuttlecocks that are made out of most commonly turkey feathers, but sometimes like roadrunner feathers or, sorry, Nadia, but maybe mm-hmm. also eagle feathers. And the the dart gets thrown up into the air and the shuttlecock sort of, you know, like a like a parachute you know, gently floats its way down. And meanwhile, the throwers, there's just, you know, a, a shower of darts flying towards the shuttlecock. And usually the shuttlecock gets snagged by someone, although not always. Um, not everyone is super good at it. Um, and of course, the throws of the shuttlecocks themselves vary in their, you know, trajectory a bit as well. So yeah, it's it's a, a highly variable game, but definitely interesting to all of you to watch. Yeah. Uh, as we're Ace- watching... Cedric is going to lean over to Kay and say, Lucanus would have loved this. Yeah, he would have. He probably would have been up there trying to compete. <laughs> probably would have just oh. like, walked right up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every single round that he did that have been him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kay is like cheering people on. <laughs> She's like definitely one of those crowd people. It's like, yeah, you get them. <laughs> <laughs> and like gets up and like claps and like screams every time. <laughs> Probably inappropriate. But <laughs> she's very enthusiastic. Okay, so maybe time for my round now of the Moshe Toss? Sure, yeah. So how this is going to work, again, um, the thrower, uh, basically the thrower has to roll to make sure it goes in a trajectory that will be catchable, right? So like if they suck on their throw, then it like hits the ground or something terrible but yeah so the thrower has to uh, of the shuttlecock has to roll first and then everyone else who's competing would be which i will roll some competitors against you um but basically everyone will roll attacks against the shuttlecock using your atlatl and the person with the well so there's a a, a, a number threshold um, I think you might have heard me call it a DC earlier. Um, so it's a difficulty class. So everybody mm-hmm. who's trying to hit the shuttlecock at least will need to meet this base number. Um, but then everyone who's above that base number, whoever is the highest, is the one who catches the shuttlecock. Because the way I understand this is that it's like aim, but also kind of a race because like multiple people yeah. could aim well, but yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, and there definitely is like an aspect of you can wait for it to be close to the ground where the target is closer to you and easier to hit. But if you take the risk and you throw while it's still high in the air, you won't have to compete with other darts 
in the mid-flight, but it's going to be harder to hit. So there's a strategy involved with, like, when do you time your throw? Do you at the, the apex of the shuttlecock flight or towards the ground and all of this uh, fun stuff? Awesome. Um, Kay, Kay has like made a sign with his name on it. Like, and he's like on the stands, like holding it up and like waving it around. She like, what did you make the sign out of? Her journal notebook paper. Oh, yeah. Tearing pages out of her notebook. Yeah, she's like, tearing pages out and she's like, she's like handing pages out to everyone else too, like with his name on it. So we like. We don't even know if he can read comment. <laughs> Doesn't matter. All the thread around she, you like, guys are like. She like, <laughs> she. She like drew like a little sketch of him. <laughs> like, oh my god! So so Kay Kay is like the team mom who's like screaming for the kids and doing that like really loud, obnoxious whistle um, and yes. like oh, doing yeah. all those horrible things. Yeah, and like Fletcher's, and every time like, Fletcher's sitting like out. right next to her, and is, like... and is like is watching but not into sports, and it's just like and there's just that whistle and screaming next to him and he's just like uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fletcher, it's our friend come on it's like can, can you can you sit but can you sit you can hear them in the crowd do you acknowledge them or are you trying to ignore them <laughs> uh definitely trying to focus trying to tune them out Maybe disassociate a little bit with the very rambunctious outsiders who are making a scene at the competition grounds, but uh, still very appreciative of their support, uh, even if it is a little bit misplaced for the setting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that... that was like the kindest thing. I mean, you kind of like, really, like, this is a super serious ceremony, and you're like, woo! Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask, I was like, what? What are the yeah, no, other people here doing? Is Nadia everyone just sitting watching? That, yeah. I mean, it's and not then like, there's just Kay that... just screaming. <laughs> it's not like, like someone just standing say... up in church and just screaming. <laughs> Definitely, it's not like the rest of the audience is just sitting silent, but nobody screaming or necessarily cheering in that way. Yeah. Uh, this is like maybe, golf. Yeah, yeah maybe not, not, no, not that quiet. Not that. Quiet. Oh, okay. I'm like, uh, but, you know, conversation with each other, watching. There's so many of these rounds happening throughout the day. It's not like everyone needs to stop and put 100% of their attention into every throw of every round. Mm-hmm. So it is a casual conversation. There's, again, different rounds throughout the, you know, throughout the whole evening uh, or afternoon and evenings. But no, like, no stadium cheering in that way. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's just like, oh, this white girl. <laughs> this freaking gringo, like, get her out of here. <laughs> And you're so sparkly too, like <laughs> yeah, like, like skin like glows. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. All right, Koi, are you ready to throw? Yeah. Okay, so I'll make sure the thrower can actually throw. Yep, totally. Um, so the shuttlecock starts floating down through the air, and you and your competitors all roll their attack rolls. Oh god, one of them went off the table. Oh wow, they suck at this. Um, <laughs> So let's see, what did you get on your attack? Oh, I'm, I have to use the website, right? Yeah, so if you go into roll 20, um, you should be able to um, roll it from there. And it's just 1d20? Uh, yeah, and then you'll add um, wh- whatever your attack bonus with the atlatl is that we have on your character sheet. Oh, boy. Oh, I had a very, very bad roll. That's okay. Very bad first round. Everybody else uh, sucks, my... too. <laughs> okay, so my attack bonus, 
the one with the base attack bonus, right? No, no. Um, in the the bar of your character sheet with the atlatl stuff oh, okay. in it, plus eight. There, plus, plus eight. eight. Okay, so you got a twelve. Um, you beat everyone else. <laughs> Oh, okay. So your so your right. dart goes. They I got a two, a two, a five, and a seven. Um, so it's all guys today. Yeah. So so your dart goes the closest to the shuttlecock, but you don't quite snag it on that first time. Um, okay. Okay. But you said you you do this five times in the heat. Yep. Exactly. All right. All right so make sure the thrower. Yep. Okay. So the the shuttlecock goes up again. Everybody releases their darts ah, off the table. Oh, dear. Oh, I had a great roll this time. Yeah. 17 uh, plus 8, so 25. Yeah, you beat everybody this time. The highest competitor was a dirty 20. Um, so that means that everybody's ooh, everybody's darts go up in the air, and yours sails out just a little higher and a little faster, snags the shuttlecock, and drives it to the ground. So you have one point compared to everybody else's goose egg. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right, yes, the thrower can do the thing. So we'll throw the darts again. Uh-oh. Another four, so another 12. Um, one person got an 18, so um, uh. a point to one of your competitors. So now you're tied. Uh, whoops, throwing again. Yeah, they're doing fine. The throw is not that hard. Um, but we'll do all the darts again. Oh! I got a third... Ooh, boy. <laughs> One of them was a natural 20. <laughs> okay, so I got a 13 plus my 8 is going to be a 21. 21, yeah, um, but the natural 20 is an auto crit, so um, you get you lose another point to a different competitor. So now there are three of you with one point each. Okay. And then one last time. Oh, my worst one yet. Oh, three no. <laughs> plus the 5. So an eight. Oh, sorry, plus the 8. 11. Oh, yeah. Well, the person who just got a natural 20 got a natural 18 this time. So they wind up with two points Oof. versus everybody else. Or, yeah, two of you with one point. So I don't know. How do the heats work in this? Uh, So, hmm, how would that break down? Because I guess it depends on how many... Oh! Um, actually, roll that last one again. Oh, did I do it wrong? Uh, no, somebody redeemed uh, a second chance for you to do it again. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks, friend. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, and 19. Wait, you said said players couldn't do that. Uh, Well, he's redeeming it for somebody else. It's fine. (laughs) Yay, 19. Okay, so that means you do beat that person. I wouldn't do it for us in battle. But I was like, well, here, I was like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's perfect. So on that that second chance, um, it does actually fly, and you just barely edge out that other person. Um, So you do wind up with two points to everybody else's one or zero. Yay. Okay, hey, is, like yay, waving perfect. her sign around. She's very excited. <laughs> Cedric's like like beating his hammer on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is oh, better than I've ever done in any actual mocha competition. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm pretty happy with myself. Yes. I I'm good with like the target shooting, but the aerial, the flying targets, I've just this, this is, is why we. Ha- this is why happy. we play these fantasy games, mm-hmm. so we can, you know. <laughs> well, and I set the DC to hit in the first place at fifteen, so it's not easy to even like, you know, yeah, yeah hit in the first place. But yeah, oh, <laughs> and Nikki just made another one in case you need it on the next heat. <laughs> um, yeah. So what happens Perfect. at the end of one of these five-person heats? So, uh, top person from each heat will go on into the next round. 
we can theoretically make up a nice number for how many total people there are so that there are not an infinite number of rounds of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can say the next one is the semifinals, I guess. So it's sure, yeah. 10 people left <laughs> split into two heats of 10. And then, oh, I guess, wait, 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 wait. Maybe <laughs> think of a better. Or we go the other way, go really big. So that there's five heats of five people left. Top person from each of those heats will make the final five. How about that? Yeah, that works. Okay. Okay. So we'll do one more heat of five people. So the thrower, yep. the thrower throws. This is a really good throw. Um, so all of you throw your darts at it. Boop, boop. Oh, wow, they suck again. Um. <laughs> okay, I got a 10, so 18 with my opponent. You just edge out the next best person, so you get one point. Awesome. <laughs> the thrower throws the oh wow the shuttlecock goes into the ground so they have to re-roll that was a natural one from the thrower <laughs> get your act together man okay that one's better very embarrassing uh, <laughs> very embarrassing oh, what a bad throw work in real life like does, so that, does that even throw, happen oh yeah all the time all the time um the the, the launching is is somewhat finicky i would say like 50 percent of the time no i'm probably more than that maybe like 60 percent of the time we get a good launch so 40% of the time is not that great. A bad launch is one in which the shuttlecock does not successfully disengage from the dart. So there are times where, because there's a whole like mechanism or like a wrapping mechanism, and sometimes if it mm-hmm. slips or something, then either it releases too early at the beginning of the throw and it never gets enough height for anyone to throw at it, or okay. it gets dragged into the ground with the dart because it never releases. Or the third option is that it releases, but wind blows the uh, oh. target shuttlecock either into like the players or into the audience and then we obviously don't throw because we don't want to get somebody else <laughs> You don't throw if it goes towards the audience? What? <laughs> yeah. So so those are the three ways we have a no a rethrow basically. <laughs> Alright, okay, yeah. So, so the um, so the thrower threw correctly this second time, so now you all will do your darts. Okay. Again. I got a twelve plus eight, so I got a twenty. Okay, yeah, so you beat the next best person again. You're on a roll, <laughs> feeling good. Oh, yeah. Those newcomers are obnoxious, great. but they're really pumping up your ego, yeah? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay, hopefully the law of large numbers doesn't hurt me here. Oh, it did hurt me. Okay, Uh-oh. I got a two, so oh, a no. ten, so I'm not gonna Well, you can, you can use that re-roll that Sarah gave you if you want. Mm. Or, sorry, Nikki gave you, sorry. Yes. You want to use it? Okay. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll probably, I'll use a re-roll on this one because okay. this was so bad. Perfect. Uh, no, Nikki, you cannot add a monster right now. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Okay, re-roll. The magic of the re-roll works again. I got an 18. So All right, yeah, so you definitely, you beat the next best person again. You got three points out of three throws. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, okay. Wow, what if I got a perfect, oh, no, maybe not. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Go ahead. This, yeah. Um, let's see what everybody uh, do, 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 do. So I've got two 12s, but five plus eight is 13. 13. So you, um, so you are the closest, but nobody actually beats that 15 DC. So yeah, so that's zero points for anybody, but you're still in the lead. The last throw is a good one. Okay, an eight, so a 16 for me. If no one beats that, I've snagged it fairly. Nope, fairly. you snagged it. And you awesome. win with four points. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Cedric's, I, Cedric's up with K, like jumping up yeah. and down. Like, he's going crazy too. <laughs> I feel like this is such a good bonding moment for K and Cedric. <laughs> it's like, yeah! Sports! Yeah. Amazing. Maybe, right? maybe we can uh, turn. 
turn Fletcher around on the whole sports thing by the end of it. <laughs> if, it if it gets exciting enough. I do, I have to say, watching this, I do want to learn now in our, like, next day hanging out here to see if I can use Enet Lottle because it's, like, lightweight. Like, even I should be able to sort of use it. It's from a distance, which is good for a wizard. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not like yeah. I don't enjoy watching it. I am just not acting like Cedric and Kay, who are <laughs> the hell out of me. Well, and that's, and that's <laughs> As always. One of the, one of the beauties of Atlatls uh, is that they are sometimes called the egalitarian weapon because it uses, you know, like a machine, basically, to launch. It, it negates any strength differences, really. Honestly, I call it a finesse weapon, not a strength weapon. People who try to overpower it, who assume that it's like chucking a spear really hard, actually do worse. Mm -hmm. So... So it's definitely yeah. everyone is able to do it. And even young children learn how to throw out ladles from the age of seven or eight years old. And both men and women can throw and, and have pretty good accuracy and power with it. So definitely excited to teach you the next day that you are here in the festival how to, how to throw these things. Um, but time for the final round, I think. Okay. Last one. Do, 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 do. All right. Do the thing. Oh, okay. natural 20 for me, so 28 after my bonus. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, that definitely, uh, two, two, three, <laughs> and ten. Yeah, no, you <laughs> beat them handily. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so the next shuttlecock goes up. They have to replace that shuttlecock. It <laughs> another, another natural 20. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> beginner... Beginner luck with the rolls, On I guess. such a two twenties in a row. Woo! All right. Yeah, so you've got two points. There goes another shuttlecock up in the air. Do, 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 do. So you can roll your okay, third one. and... Yep. Uh oh. Oh, okay. My luck ran out a two. <laughs> That's okay, um, though. I think I have a pretty sizable lead at this point. Yeah, okay. So you just want to leave it? Okay. So one of your, yep. one of your competitors gets one point. Um, the okay. next shuttlecock goes up in the air. Okay, 14 plus 8, so 22. Somebody got a natural 20. It's not just you. Oh, boy. <laughs> but that's a different person. Oh, so there are two of your competitors with one point each, and you have two points. And this is the last throw. Okay. And it goes up in the air just fine. There, yeah, there is another reroll oh. still from Nikki. Okay. Probably gonna use it on this one because I got a one. I would, yeah. Yes, use it. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Nikki. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. That was very generous. And an eighteen. So all of my rerolls have been eighteen. 18. I'm pretty sure. Yep. <laughs> and that beats uh, the next highest person. Yes. Just you know, yeah. just edges them out. So yeah, you win with three points in the final round. You were the favorite awesome. apparently. Woo! Wait, Kaylee. Kay like hugs Cedric and we're just like jumping and then yeah. <laughs> he's like Hopping at some point I position myself between this and Fletcher because I can feel the discomfort. With your wings out as a barrier. <laughs> Not even, yeah, just very just very low key, just kinda <laughs> oh, don't worry. I've like scooted far enough away on the bench to kind of seem like I'm not I'm with not that with group. The, 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 watching. I'm not with the, the other pink fleshy people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not with those endoskeletons. Oh, okay. I'm a different endoskeleton compared to everyone. Oh, man. Yeah, so you win. Woohoo. Awesome. Woo. Okay, so ooh, here's an idea. How about I win 
my prize for winning is the new Makwa Weasel and the new Atlatl set, and I can gift my old set to the rest of the team. Aw, that's so sweet. I love that idea. Yeah, so you get a very, like, really high quality, very nicely built by one of the craftsmen. Like, yeah, you've made your own before, but this one is very expertly built, um, mm -hmm. a set of these weapons. So, yeah, you have these really nice new ones, and you are free to do with your old ones as you will. Yeah. Was it Cedric or Fletcher who wanted the Makwa Weasel? Okay, so Cedric, right? Okay, I could so. use that. I want to <laughs> I use it! Say, I thought Fletcher was a... Yeah. Um, so, since... Uh, wait, I'm... Sorry. Yeah, it was okay. So then, yeah, I can give my Makwa Weasel to Cedric and my old Atlatl to... At least to have you guys try it tomorrow morning. But potentially, Fletcher will get to keep that if, if he's able to use it. Cool. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Are there any other games or activities you all would like to do right now during the festival, or would you like to go to bed after a very long and eventful day? <laughs> I think uh, I, I, we need to do at least some like of these carny games that are. <laughs> yeah, out yeah. Here. I'm games. way too I'm yeah, yeah, way yeah. too pumped up now from the the victory <laughs> yeah. to, to go to bed. You know, like if we can like and like I'm assuming like Koi, will you, will you join us? Like walk around with us, and we'll, I'm, I'm assuming. It's, so it can just be a night of walking around, yeah, like I, I've definitely eating, playing games. Wings, so, awesome. Are you wearing like a big like like <laughs> sash, sash or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, maybe not. Maybe some sort of like wreath or something. Like, okay. go, kind of go ancient, like ancient Greek with it with the Olympics. So something like that, deserty something. Yeah. Uh, mm, a choya wreath. Kay well, is like totally fangirling, by the way. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, when you did the thing and it was like, like right before like those other people and you like snagged it. Oh my god, it was so amazing. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> yeah, I guess the two maybe of you like... are like almost the same age. So he's maybe a little, you said you're yeah. like in your early 20s. So yeah, he's a little older, older. than you, but yeah. What was that, Fletcher? What I was just going to say, I was like, just continuing to try to picture the little like wreath that he might be wearing. I was like, it's probably like uh maybe like cactus flowers yeah. and like there's like if it's like twined with any like fabric maybe dyed with some cochineal insects Ooh, from the yeah. opuntia cacti like very like like a lot of work goes into it so it's like yes um sarah suggests maybe sagebrush in the crown as well I was just about to say, yeah somebody which would chat, smell really yeah, good brush, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. yeah perfect um well, maybe some juniper berries throughout because yeah. juniper is super common in the desert yeah yeah, yeah that'd be pop of pop of blue color <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, so you guys have already seen all of the food offerings, um, but there are also... Angelo, did I send you the list of the other games I made stats for? I don't remember. You did not. Okay, so your other choices are... Chaza, which is a team racket slash paddle sport, was the best way I could explain it. These are all real games oh, from you, South America, by the you way. Did, you okay. did send this to me, actually, okay. after all. I yeah. just can't find it right now. That's okay. I, I remember reading that somewhere. Okay, so you have... Uh, Cindy has a question. Oh, no, 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 just, oh. uh, I think I recognized what the, uh, I was listening to you do the things, and I was like, oh, I think I recognized that Oh, one. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so oh, you're, yeah. you're- Chaza, Trompo, Sapo, and those are the three, right? Yep, yeah, Chaza, Trompo, and Sapo. One is a team sport, one uses tops, and one is that ping pong ball into goldfish bowls game. Only there are no goldfish and no ping pong balls. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play that one. <laughs> Okay, so what you see at the Sapo 
area board, I guess. So there is a big board or tablet with a bunch of holes in it. And the holes are different distances from where the player stands and they are different diameters. And um, they're, you know, painted, decorated to sort of indicate the differences. And then in a prominent place on the board, there is a sculpture of a lizard with its mouth open. And that, uh, Koi tells you, is the the winning spot. If you're able to toss one of the little tokens into the lizard's mouth, um, you get the most points. But basically, you get a different number of points depending on which hole you are able to get your token into. It's like ski ball. <laughs> Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Except Which they're is not throwing, all in a line. not rolling. Yeah. Wait. So they're in. A, they're in a a line. No. A, 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 they're, oh, they're they're, they're just all over a, the board. A field. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there are like there are multiple one point holes and mul- multiple two point holes and whatever. The lizard is the only ten point hole. Um, okay. In the real version of this game, it's a frog, but I thought a lizard would be more realistic for the desert. So little nice. flavor change there nancy you're muted but said while you're <laughs> while you're looking at the board cedric is gonna like nudge you and be like like okay so just picture the lizard's mouth is the back of my head all right yes. and just aim for that okay yeah sure when you were saying that you were like sapo sapo's a toad in spanish yeah. i was like why is there a lizard yeah yeah so the, so the game the game has a frog in the middle of the board in the real version but there aren't frogs in the well. There aren't visible frogs in the desert most of the time. So I was like, lizard, that works, I guess. It's a little flavor. Artistic What's lizard in Spanish? La jetilla. Yeah, that's harder to say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually one of the words I really struggle with because there's like that weird G in the middle of it, and I always yeah. like. That. Yeah, that's so, like a yeah. interesting tongue shape. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get made fun of all the time for how badly I pronounce that word. So we're just going <laughs> to. <laughs> They're like, oh, the gringa accent is real strong with this word. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay. So basically, mechanically, D&D wise, how you play this game is you roll uh, an attack. So a DC or a, a, a D20 plus your base attack bonus plus your dexterity modifier and depending on what that math is, will tell you which hole you get it into. So, like, the okay. the one-point holes are a DC of 10, and then they sort of go up from there, with the lizard being a DC 25. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, base attack plus <laughs> dexterity? Yeah. Oh, it's on the side. Okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> and you get well, five. I, that, I got a one <laughs> you get five tokens okay so that okay one that one like bounces <laughs> off the edge of the board and just goes off into the sand it actually hit cedric yeah <laughs> no i the, the lizard the lizard oh, i'm sorry <laughs> oh it's the arrow all over again gay. Oh, no oh, quick nadia heal me <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> All right, I'll try again. Oh, that one was a two. <laughs> that one like falls onto the board and just like slaps flat on top of the board. <laughs> I'm gonna use a different d20. Okay. <laughs> oh, that one's a three. You're improving. Oh, how is this? How is this even possible? Yo, Every roll is like, better than the last all one. of your dice. Throw away all with of your dice. Or at least, like, them or something. It's all the dice today. <laughs> all right, I'll try again. Maybe on the last one, I'll get. This is so your fourth coin. Give, oh, give my fourth coin. Oh yeah. my god. Come on. 
Okay, that one, 17 plus 2, 18, 19 plus 3, 21-ish, 21. Wait, was 19 plus 3 is 22. No, it was 17 plus oh. 2, which is the base attack, plus 3, which is dexterity. Yeah, so that's 19 plus yeah. 3 is 22. Yeah. Okay, so okay. for the 22, you managed to get it in one of the really small holes. Like, oh, the first three were really frustrating, and all of a sudden you <laughs> dialed it in. So you have six points, and you have one more token left. All right, let's do this. <laughs> Ah! Oh, I got a two. <laughs> uh, anybody want to try to beat Kay and win the giant stuffed animal that totally is not at the stall? <laughs> I was going to say, what are we even playing for? <laughs> they like like small prizes. We're you playing know, like... for keeps. <laughs> for credit. Or for pride. You know, street We're credit. playing for pride. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a new water skin. Ooh. <laughs> Sure, I'll yeah. throw. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, a d20 plus your base deck bonus plus your dexterity. And you have five tokens. Okay. That one's a 22. Okay. Yeah, Ledger. That's six points. Seven. <laughs> Total? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's zero <laughs> points. You have six points. And that was two My tokens. base attack bonus is only plus one. Oh, okay. so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only get to add three to my rolls. <laughs> 14. Uh, a 14 will get you two points. So now you have eight points. You beat me. <laughs> 12. A 12 will get you another two points. So now you have another, 10 points. One roll left? And you have one roll left. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 18. Uh, an 18 will get you four points. So you got 14 points total. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> are there are there tickets? Can they combine their tickets together to get a better prize? Yes! <laughs> so we can get one of those sticky hands and then it immediately like hits the sand and it's just useless. Ah! Useless garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Hair. And we're like, uh. why? <laughs> why? <laughs> well, you you see that other people who are playing this game might sort of make a wager against one another before they start throwing, so. Mm. Eh. <laughs> we'll get a sticky hand and like one Tootsie Roll. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, uh, yeah, anybody else want to play this game? You want to try something else? I want to play the team sport with Nadia. Okay, so the team sport. <laughs> but does is... Nadia want to play the team sport with you? The team sport Nadia. is very oh, elaborate. I... Give it. What? I'm also just like given my dice luck lately. I'm really, I'm dying to see how this turns out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what? Like, just don't stab me with the racket, okay? Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> well, if you if you want to wander over to the area where Kazo is being played, I will describe what you see. Um, because yeah, how, how you might rethink work? whether or not you want to play it. Oh, no. Okay, this would probably be better to play like with Koi, who's probably played it before. <laughs> Say I could be on a team with K, maybe, and then we have a two. Yes. Um, so <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So normally uh, this is two-person teams. Uh, normally yeah, this is work? played with three to five-person teams. Um, mm-hmm. but you could you know play smaller teams if you wanted. Um, <laughs> this game when I read the description amazed me. I think it is so badass. Okay, so is this the one where you like knock the ball through the hoop with your hips? No. 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 So this one is kind of like tennis and kind of like volleyball. 
the court from end to end is 300 feet. So that's 100 yards, which is very big. Um, and there is a line, you know, bisecting it. So like a tennis court or like a, volley- a volleyball court. Each player has a paddle or a racket that in real life is called a bumbo. And it is like 15 pounds. They're very big and very heavy. Wow. <laughs> and then um, the game is played using the same basic rules as tennis. Teams take turns serving the ball. And points are scored if the ball is not returned or if it bounces more than once on a side. Um, so you've got this incredibly heavy paddle racket thing and you're trying to hit this ball. But, like, the court is so long that, like, The court you know, is the size of a football field, right? No, like, no. It's... it's or- mm, oh, Yes. 100 yeah, yards. 100 yeah, yards. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So the court is the size of a football field. And there are three players on each team? Three to five. Three to five. And and with this giant paddle, you can probably make the ball, if you're able to swing this thing with any sort of power, the ball could go wow. crazy distance. Yeah. So it is an impressive yeah. game as far as I can there tell. Were, and we're talking Central and South American groups had, as far as... I'm guessing the ball's rubber, right? I would assume Central so, and South yeah. American groups had rubber, yeah. 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 And the ball, the game with the hips and the hoops, the ball with the hips and the hoops that was mentioned. That's Ulama Litsli, which is a, uh, yeah, Aztec game, but probably they had similar material, similar type of ball. So yeah. um, maybe we play as a team of five against a team of five Thrykreens. Against Let's someone else who will write the walls with us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Fletcher is going to be of any use in any <laughs> team sport. Like, similar to myself. Is magic allowed? Because <laughs> Fletcher will Fire grease off. the fuck out of the ball. <laughs> Strength no. one with a 15-pound racket does not sound like it matters. No. Fletcher just greases the ball so the other team can't hit it. I mean, if you feel like using magic, maybe you won't be allowed to sleep in a tent inside this festival tonight. It's up to you to find yeah. out. <laughs> Um, so okay. I uh, wait. I want to ask real quick. So when you say a rubber ball, though, you're talking like a solid rubber, rubber ball, right? Like a like it's not like so. it's not like a racket ball where the outside is rubber, the inside is air. It's like it is a wad of rubber, right? It's just like a medicine ball. Probably. Like it weighs. I, a, no, I would guess not a medicine. I would guess like a tennis, like a or like a racket ball size, but solid oh. rubber, like a bounce, like a right because. There's no way you could, I mean, a ball of rubber this big. Like, so this is how big the balls for Ulam and Lee were, the, the hip and hoop game from the Aztec okay. Empire. For and our they audio weighed, listeners, like, like, you're talking, like, larger than a softball, right? Like, Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, volleyball size, volleyball, okay, size, volleyball size, solid rubber, weighs, like, 15 pounds or something. Yeah. And they were hitting that with their hips. Hips, yeah. Now, <laughs> I mean, it's heavy enough to, like, if it comes to a speed to, like, break bones. So... And hard enough. So I doubt that they were hitting a ball that size with 15-pound rackets. I imagine it's big rackets, little ball. In the especially because okay. you need to get a ball to go 100 yard, like 100 yards. Yeah. I'm not an expert in this though. This is something that Cheryl researched. <laughs> I just found I'm this. Just, I found it on the internet. I mean, I'm just guessing. In, yeah, the closest I yeah. can. Guess I'm picturing because like picture... those little, hmm? like those little bouncy balls can like I've seen them that come closer yeah. to tennis ball size and like they won't. I mean, like at top speed, they'll hurt, but they won't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and those are definitely small enough you. and bouncy enough. Like, if you hit a tennis ball with like a paddle, it'll go a hundred yards. Yeah. Like, that's just my frame of reference. Is my guess. Mm. My my best estimate from the photo is that it's at least softball sized, maybe a little larger. So almost like like somewhere between like a softball and a grapefruit. But yeah, it's not like a not like a medicine ball. 
you know, okay. or a kickball. That's still really big. And it that's is hard to hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I was so impressed when I found this game. I was like, "Oh, I'm putting this in because it just yeah, sounds these awesome." Yeah, explains why the brackets are 15 pounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you have to make a strength check of at least 10 in order to lift and wield the paddle in the first place. Oh God! <laughs> Come on, Fletcher, we got this. We all, we're all doing that. I am. Oh my God! Oh, this is such a bad idea. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my armor off before I okay, do this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, like I don't think I can run around a hundred yard field mm -mm. with my armor. <laughs> <laughs> my scale mail on. And you see, like, Nadia trying to fly, like, dragging. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, yeah, you have I mean, to... Huh? Nadia is strong, so, yeah. like... That's true. Yeah. yeah. The strongest of all of us. Indeed. So the way that I decided to write the mechanics of this game out for D&D &D, uh, simplifies it a little, because obviously, like, in a, a tennis or a volleyball scenario, like, anybody could run for and get the ball, right? Um, in mm -hmm. this scenario, we'll have everybody take turns per side so that, you know, we don't have all kinds of craziness going on. Um, so basically we'll run it kind of like a skills challenge. So um, you'll all roll initiative, not because it's combat, but just so we can tell what order you'll go in. And then like one of you will hit it from your side and then a player from the other side and we'll go back and forth until everybody on your side has hit it once and then we'll start over again. And that happens until the ball fails on a side, if that makes sense. Okay, and how many points need to be <laughs> acute? Like, how many to win? We will say uh, seven win by two. Okay. And do you have to be serving to win? Like, in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, to so. To get a point, rather. Yeah. yeah. So, so again, you have to do a strength check of 10 in order to lift and oh, wield wait, the paddle. Oh, wait, wait. Wait. Sorry. Serving to win a point or serving to win? Serving to win a point. Okay, okay. So like, yeah, okay. like in what? Like in, yeah. in volleyball, tennis. you can't. Like in volleyball. Yeah. In volleyball. <clears throat> yeah. That's not, that's, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's not like how tennis is, because in tennis you can win a point. Right. Without, like, receiving a serve. Right. Okay. It's okay. it's like volleyball okay. serve. Yeah. Um, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, so you have to do the strength check in order to lift and wheel the paddle in the first place. Uh, when the ball is coming to you, you have to do a reflex save of 12 to get to it, and then a strength-based attack of 15 in order to hit it back across, you're only allowed to add your base attack to that strength-based attack if you are proficient in this game, which n at least none of the four nope. of you are, but Koi can be, yeah. Um. <laughs> Local advantage. Yeah, yeah. How, um, how good does the other team look? <laughs> I mean, they're all three creams, so. <laughs> are they jacked, though? Are they big? <laughs> Tell me what a jacked praying mantis looks like, and I'll get back to you. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Big and, like, I don't know, spits on the ground. Our, yeah. They became an adult, but still somehow molted their exoskeleton again and got <laughs> even bigger. Like crayfish. Yeah do like they're well, just I like oh yeah i'm gonna jump in, yeah, but i'm gonna keep going sometimes yeah. <laughs> there's some that are that have indeterminate and they just they just keep molting and getting huge okay oh, like sorry the the right? they don't have to be well insects don't have to be jacked to be strong That's they have true. high strength to weight ratios because of the leverage of their limbs especially pregnantis which has long limbs and like i rock climb irl and so does so does koi so uh that's also like a strength to weight ratio type of thing so yeah, I think I think you don't have to be jacked, but just being lanky is enough with a insectoid body. I'm so proud of you for coming in here and saying that to the entomologist. Great job. Yes, yes, <laughs> love it, love it. 
Okay, we are like invested in the world. Okay. I, that was so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so yes, I know verisimilitude is like of the utmost importance in this D and D game. Um, so if if in a single like in in a single volley, so the ball hasn't failed yet, we make it through every person on your team. You all have to make a Constitution or a a, a Fortitude save. Sorry, in order to like not get exhausted. And the DC for that fortitude save increases every round that the volley continues where everybody has gone, and then you still have to keep going, right? Rest assured that that will not become a (laughs) thing that we all... (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, Um, so if you all want to roll initiative, you can decide, uh, we'll decide who goes first. I got a 17. Wow. Now I roll well. 14. (laughs) 10. 6. You're muted, Angelo. Sorry, uh, I rolled a five, but do I add anything to that? Uh, yeah, remember? there's a space towards the top of your character sheet that it's a box that should say initiative next to it. It's probably like a plus one or something like that. Plus two. Plus two. Okay, so you have a seven. Okay, so it was K with a 17, Nadia with a 14, uh, uh, Cedric with a Cedric 10. Cedric with a 10. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Koi with a seven. And then Fletcher, right. Perfect. Thank God I'm at the bottom. <laughs> That's all I gotta tell you. Yeah, I have no strength. All right, let's do this. Just, just like myself in real life, standing, <laughs> trying not to pay attention to the ball in the outfield, looking at flowers and Aww. like grasshoppers, so I wouldn't have to try to catch the ball. Fletcher is like, like kind of looking around, like, dude. I- like literally me catching a football was like a pre meme meme in high school. So like it's like how does Peter catch a football? <laughs> I feel you. Oh no. <laughs> All right, um so to decide who will serve first, um Angelo, say hi or low. Uh hi. Okay. Um, so the other team is serving first because it was a seven. All right. So <laughs> so they will serve. So now I have to go back and read my own freaking rules. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, wow. So they didn't get it over the net the first time. That was awful. Um, so now you guys get to serve. <laughs> so Kay, since you're going first, you can serve if you want. I guess I'll try. Okay. Um, so you're going to do a d20 and add your strength, or subtract your strength. Ouch. <laughs> Come on! I got a 16. Okay, so it does in fact go over the net. Yes! <laughs> All right, so they make their reflex save to get to it, and they hit it back across, so that means it's Nadia's turn. You need to make a reflex save. Boy, oh boy. Just... just... Reflex, right? Yep. 19, so uh, 22. Okay, so yeah. you, you make it to the ball. Now roll a d20 plus your strength to see if you can hit it back. <laughs> 11. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to it and you hit it. Where's our, goes, like, wait, where, where's our second chance? <laughs> oh, wait, we have one, one right? Is, this is, where, this is where one. Cindy is bleeding through. Nope, there are no more. <laughs> can I give us one? <laughs> No, we used all of them. Um, no. I appreciate no. the fact that this this game is taking place during the big football game. That like, it's like no, it's, oh, oh my god, I just totally forgot that was today. Right, you're avoiding the big football game with Dungeons and Dragons. We're playing two sports. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is 
culturally educational. Um, <laughs> okay, um, so nobody has scored a point so far because <laughs> that was your serve. Um, okay, so they will serve again. And they managed to hit it over the net. Um, so we'll say it's Cedric's turn now. Um, so reflex uh, save for me. Oh, that's an eight. Okay, that misses. You do not make it to the ball in time. So the other team scores I've got one really point. short legs. So. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, so they will serve again. Um, they do not make it over the net this time. So now uh, it's... Koi's turn. So you can serve. Um, so you can do uh, d20 plus your base attack bonus plus your strength modifier. Okay. So... Oh, I rolled a natural 20. <gasps> so that's going to be, what you said plus base attack? Yeah. Uh, you don't even have to, though. But that natural yeah. 20. That's your third nat 20 of your very first session of D&D. <laughs> that's feels very... so good. Okay, maybe it's because I'm from Las Vegas, so I'm just getting really <laughs> Um, that's actually going to make it harder for them to get to the ball because you hit it so well. Um, and wow, and they got a natural two anyway, so they suck. So you earn a point for your team. Yeah! <laughs> Kay's like, yay! Uh, do, do you want to serve again? Sure. Okay, so do the same thing. A d20 plus your base attack bonus plus your strength. Okay, so 11 was my roll plus base attack bonus 5, so 16 plus my strength. My strength says eleven, like ability score, right? Uh, the the plus something that's next to it, the the modifier. Okay, so I don't have a an ability modifier right. for strength. Okay, so it's just sixteen. Sixteen. Uh, yeah. Makes it over. Okay. They get to the ball. They hit the ball back. Uh, Fletcher, it's your turn. Fletcher. Oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> Reflex save. It's not good. No. Nope, only a six on the reflex. Oops, okay. So you guys, you guys lose the ball, um, so they will serve again. We're at one point and one point. <laughs> All right, so they hit it across. We're back up to K. Reflex save to get to the ball. I got a one. Oh, oh I, I tripped. The worst rogue of the planet. <laughs> oh, and this is the moment where you all have to make a fortitude save. Um, because you've all gone one round. So, oh no, sorry, oh. that was only only when a volley continues. Never mind. Oh, yeah, scratch. That. I trip. Okay. I face plant. <laughs> sorry, that forty-two thing only comes into play if the volley goes through all of you and comes back around, because that means you haven't right. gotten a break. But like, obviously, there's a break between serves, so right. that doesn't matter. Okay. Um, okay, so they got another point. So now they're gonna serve again. They failed. Um, so Nadia, it's your serve. All right. Man, my dice gel is full tonight. <laughs> uh, okay, that one is... A D20 plus Sorry, base strength. attack plus strength? Uh, not base attack, just D20 plus strength, because you are not proficient in this game. Oh, just strength. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Didn't take this one in gym class. 15? 15 makes it over the net. Yeah, um, so they have to get to the ball. They get to the ball. They do not hit it back over, though, so you guys get a point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nadia, would you like to serve again, or do you want to pass it off to somebody? Sure. Okay. Oh, nine. Nope. Okay, so you lose the serve. It's two and two. This is a really well-matched game. Way to go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they hit it over the net. Um, now it's Cedric's turn. Cedric, go for it. Run. <laughs> this is the reflex save? Yep. Uh, 17. Okay, you get to the ball. Uh, D20 plus your strength to hit it back. Eight. 
Nope. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, so that was their serve. Um, so they will serve again. Do, 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 do. Oh, God. Um, so it makes it over the net. Koi, uh, reflex save to get to the ball. Uh, that's a normal 1d20, right? Uh, yeah, and then add whatever your reflex thing is. Okay, I rolled a natural 20, so it shouldn't matter. Fourth natural <laughs> 20! Fourth natural 20! I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's roll 20, too. Wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he, he, I'm not using, like, I'm using an actual, like, randomizer. Yeah, right. he, that's... He's not, he's not just rolling dice on the table and then lying about it like me and Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm not even going to make you do the strength check to hit it back. Like, you get to it and just nail it back across. Um, so awesome. they get to it, and they do not hit it back, so they lose the serve. Perfect. Nice. Um, <laughs> You're our MVP. <laughs> F- Fletcher, do you want to serve? It's your turn. <laughs> oh god. You got this, Fletch. Yeah, Fletcher! Fletch, <laughs> Wait, can I can I pass it on to somebody else? <laughs> sure, <laughs> but you'll have to be the first one to hit it when it comes back across the net. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Come on, you got this. You should. You better should better strength or your reflex. <laughs> because if you if you have to get to it, then you have the reflex save and you have the strength check. But yeah. only if you serve, you just have the strength mm. check. This one is just a strength check, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. So it's literally just a roll for me because yep. it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, for making Ryan li- relive so much drama. I'm so sorry. You guys chose to play this game. <laughs> so much high school gym straight hetero bro trauma. <laughs> Poor Ryan. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Thank you for the cheer, Teal. Okay, so the other team is going to serve. Um, they, wow, they do not make it over the net either with a four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, it's your turn to serve. Okay. Strength. I got a one again. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's tired now. Turn. Nancy, we're going to burn your dice, okay? <laughs> All right, so the other team hits it across the net. Nadia, you want to try to get it? Uh-oh, did we lose Nadia? Oh, there she is. Okay. Uh, 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 I, yeah, I, I, my internet farted for a second. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, so I, it's reflex for me, right? Yep. <laughs> Does someone want to mail me new dice? Yes. <laughs> uh, 19. 19. All right. Yay! Now do the strength yeah. check. All right. Hey, 21. All right. Yay! Yes. So you hit it back across. Yeah. Like, I love the image of three foot tall Nadia. Just like, <laughs> right. like <laughs> <laughs> With a racket that is literally half as heavy as she is. Yes. Great. Oh, and they got a natural one. So your return was so good that, um, and that was Kay's serve. Um, so uh, Kay, if you want to serve again, you can, or you can pass it off to someone else. I'll try and serve again, I okay. guess. Awesome. Wait, was it my serve? Wasn't it Nadia's serve? I'm... Oh, no. Okay, I understand. No, I was, uh, Sports are hard, okay? Sports are hard. <laughs> 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 Uh, I got a 10. Mm, nope. Okay, so you don't make it over the net. Uh, so it's At least hit it this there. time, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, so there's makes it over the net. Cedric, go for it. Get it. Fetch. Ooh, 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 19. Fetch. 19. Yes. All right, so what's your strength check then? Oh, fuck me. That's a that one. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. God. 
Absolutely the thing that I do in real life, anything that involves a racket or bat is like, I will swing at it, I will contact, and then I am absolute shit at the whole angle to make it go where you want thing. Mm -hmm. Actually, to be fair, playing soccer, I also did the same thing, which was, the ball went far away, just... Who knows where? The ditch on the side of the field. <laughs> That's why racquetball is my favorite game because you can't hit it out of bounds because you're in a box. <laughs> yeah, you don't have I to run after it. I've literally just hit it as hard as I can and it usually goes I, somewhere good. <laughs> I swing the I, the racket like a it's like a, it's a long sword. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> Angelo's just like judging all of us. He's like, I can actually do a thing with my body decently. What is wrong with all of these people? Uh, no judgment, I promise. I promise. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, get us another net 20. All Come right. on. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep, so You're our ringer. Okay. Uh, so they hit it across Let's the net, here. Koi. Okay. Wait, wait. I think I did this wrong. Okay, got it. Oh, no. Sorry, my computer's been... There we go. Okay. Oh, oh no. My, no. My luck ran out. <laughs> and the universe maintains some sense of balance. I was a net one. All right. So the other team has five points. You folks have three. Um, they're going to serve again, and it'll be Fletcher's turn to return. Fletcher. Oh, no. Fletch, 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 Fletch. Uh, But they did not make it across the net. Um, so, yeah. Fletcher, do you want to serve, or do you want to pass the serve off to somebody else? <laughs> you got this. I'll try to serve. minus one. Okay? So if you pass it off, it goes to me. No, I'll... <laughs> I'll try to serve, because like I said, otherwise I have to try to do a reflex and then a save. Although my reflex bonus is pretty good, but still. <laughs> Two. <laughs> All right, you pass it back to the other team to serve. <laughs> we should not be adventurers. I mean, well, natural three, so now it's case I can't roll, serve. like, over a ten. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try and serve. Angela's the only one who's rolled well tonight. <laughs> I got a 15. All right, that makes it over the net. Yes. Oh. So now they have to return it. They get to it. They do not return it. Okay. Yes. I think Kay has, right. Kay has been the best server so far. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Kay, do you want to uh, serve again? I will try with my minus one strength check. <laughs> <laughs> you got this, Kay. You got this, Kay. Kay, oh, no. Kay, she's okay. You got a nine. You got a nine. Okay. I went, um, it, I'm tired after the first one, okay? Like, I used all my energy to, like, swing the heavy thing. Also, you almost died today? That's yeah, true. Exactly. I almost, I almost died, died today. today. Uh, Nadia, you can return it. All right. Reflex. Uh-huh. Uh, at 18. That makes it to the ball and a strength check. All right. It, like, side of the dice tray uh -huh. and then uh -huh. landed on a one. It just, it did it with flair. It did it with flair. Okay, so they're gonna serve again. It's six to four right now. So if they get this point, then they win. And they make it across the net. So it is Cedric's turn to return the ball. Oh, you guys. Is this gonna be your first successful return? <laughs> Ooh, salty. <laughs> oh, that's a uh, thirteen on my reflex save. That makes it. Yeah, the DC is twelve on the reflex. So do a. What are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> oh, it rolled under something. It was strength. 12. Nope. Okay. So they get the last point. <laughs> but you guys well, had fun and got really sweaty playing Kaza. No. We tried. We tried. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry. We failed you, our champion. <laughs> you were teaching a bunch of new friends how to play. That's fine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
So uh, that is a great place for us to call it tonight because I imagine the team might be going to sleep after this. So y'all yeah. can sleep wherever you so choose. But thank you ever so much to Angelo for coming to hang out with us and play D&D for the first time. Woo! You did yeah! wonderfully. So he so will good. be back with us, not next week because that's, you know, a day, but two Sundays from now on the 21st, we'll be back with Angelo mm-hmm. to play some more South American games or talk more about ancient weapons and things, you know, however we feel. And uh, yeah, so in the meantime, there might be some video game streams doing stuff. I'm working on some other projects for this channel, so stay tuned in the near future. Um, thank you so much to everybody who's been hanging out in the chat with us. We hope you enjoyed what you were watching this evening and that it was better than Hand Egg. Um, I'm really sorry that Nightbot is being so aggressive. I don't know why Nightbot was being so aggressive. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna figure out how to, you know, put our digital overlords back in their place. Um, <laughs> so that you all can participate in the chat. Oh, um, Biker Dave says, wait, I have a question for Angela. What is your question, Biker Dave? We could do it in the Discord. Oh yeah, if... we can also do questions. Oh, in the Angelo can... has Angelo joined the Discord yet? He can. Shame, 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 guys. <laughs> shame. He just hasn't joined yet. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yet, yet. <laughs> oh, how do we? Oh, oh. If, how do we aim? Um, yeah. So he said it's basically practice to aim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically answer. practice. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Um, there's also uh, I did a two-hour, almost two-hour interview with Ali Ward of uh, Podcast Ologies where we talked like at Laddles for like two hours. So any question you probably have is probably answered in that long rambling just <laughs> view of my words. So um, check out that podcast to find out more about me and specifically at Laddles. Uh, we go way more in depth into like the history and the ling- like the uh, etymology of the word and some of the other like historical stories around it and damage potential and all that kind of stuff. So definitely check that out if you want to learn we more can- about the at Laddles. We can link it in the Discord, no? Yep, I was absolutely mm-hmm. planning on it, yeah. Um, yeah, that episode was amazing. Like, a lot of the things that get talked about on ologies are things I kind of already know about because I'm a biologist and, you know, Ali interviews a lot of people that do things that I know something about. But Angelo's, I was just like, you know, riveted the whole time. I was doing field work, but very much paying attention to the podcast. And I was like, this is so cool. And then they got to the part talking about D&D. And I was like, well, now I have to invite him on the show. So here we are. Yeah, um, so many, so many <laughs> listeners submitted D&D questions. Like, oh, have you played D&D? If so, what are the stats? What do you think? What are... I'm like, I have no clue. Uh <laughs> But it was a very popular question, so I'm glad I was finally able to play D&D and I can answer that question a little more accurately now. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! And we're so glad to be your first game of D&D. So yeah, thank you (laughs) so much to everyone who's been hanging out with us. Don't forget, you can jump into the Discord where we post links to things that our guests do, and you can talk to the cast and whoever else shows up, and we talk about recipes because this game is always about they even talked about food today we just can't not talk about food on this show um and also sometimes there are memes and fun facts and things like that so you know come hang out with us in the discord or you know you can catch us on social media i am on the twitter every day so you can tag us in things on there um other than that i'll yeah. put more i'll put out rattle videos and pictures and stuff in the discord once i'm yes. out yes. so, and there's there's videos of of like people playing the mochi toss, like the real thing, and videos of me playing mochi toss, so that's cool as well. Uh, so I'll post all that kind of stuff in the Discord as well once I'm in there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. So come hang out with us there. It's a cool clubhouse where you can get all of those neat links and things. Um, but yeah, thank you so much to everyone for hanging out with us. We'll be back on the 21st, same time, same place, same guest. Um, until then, have a great two weeks, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.